ask any podcaster whether you record for a minute or you record for an hour potting's potting what's going on everybody welcome to radiovania presents the fast cast episode one the fast and the furious 2001 the cult classic i'm here this is me john swanson parker across the ways through the internet is dominic toretto also known as zachary rotello zach how's it going buddy drink my wine a quarter gallon at a time <laughs> a quarter of a gallon <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is a this is a interesting strategy for interesting us turn I'll, of I'll explain a little bit of what we're doing in a second but you doing good super bowl coming up big Bengals fan good yeah 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 real real good real good we're uh we're officially um you know week week and two days away from Bengals being in the super bowl it's been a tumultuous year for for sports i think none of us would have predicted this where we are but uh you know i'm just no. glad to be i think when john proposed this idea of this podcast to me he said you know what better way to celebrate the Bengals going to the super bowl than reviewing every fast and furious movie chronologically and i said yeah so day. i think my my elevator pitch at first was the most logical sequel to our dceu and review series could only be the fast saga honestly i mean some people might say we should do Star Wars or the MCU, but I think for us, the logical next step would be to go hang out with the Mi Familia and uh, Mi <laughs> talk about all of these fast movies, you know? Yeah, I just like that it's such a fuck you to everything that we've uh, been planning because I feel like for episodes now and episodes we've been talking about, oh, we're going to do... We're gonna do Star Wars. Oh, oh, we're gonna jump into the MCU. Maybe we'll do Lord of the Rings. Maybe we'll do Indiana Jones. And then John calls me out of the blue one day and just goes, "I've been rewatching every Fast and Furious movie, and it's time." <laughs> and yeah, I can't yeah. argue. I and can't we'll, argue with a pretty face like that. We could talk a little bit about our personal histories with the franchise before we get things going. But uh, this is the in review series that nobody asked for, but what we wanted. So it's our podcast. Get used to it. We it's our cool. podcast. We're gonna do things the way we want to do it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, before we kind of dive into this movie specifically, let's talk a little bit about kind of the structure of what this podcast is going to be, as well as you and I's personal history with the franchise. So, sure. In the same would you way also that we did, like to? Would you like to tell our viewers where you can find the show? No, that's all of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fuck you then. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them. No, that's your job. You're the host. Get used to it. Yeah. You got to host it. You got to do the host. You're hosty so good things. at it, though. You know, everyone in Dom's team has a special ability. You know, you got your chameleon, your shit talker, got two precision drivers. Anyway, if you like the show, you can check us out on Instagram um, at Radiovania, and you can email the show at Radiovania at show at gmail.com. And uh, Radiovania.com will take you to our YouTube, which has all of the great videos out there, such as Two Drunk Men Create Uncharted 4. We got the few of us. We also got Two Drunk Men Recreate The Force Awakens. Uh, picking up on a theme there, probably. Um, but yeah, go check out some of that stuff. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so the structure of this pod is going to be pretty similar to what we did with the DCEU in review. We're going to go chronologically based on when the movies were released not necessarily the timeline, because unlike the DCEU, this has a very wonky timeline, um, which we'll get to when we get to the third film. 
Um, but yeah, so we're starting off here with the Fast and the Furious, and then we'll go on, so on and so forth until we get fully caught up. Um, for me, I've only seen the first one, the fifth one, and the seventh one before my rewatch that I started about a week ago. Um, so there were some gaps in there that I have since watched, except for anything beyond Fast 7. Zach and I are going to record those podcasts with my fresh takes in mind after seeing them for the first time. Uh, I will be kind of introducing each of the movies as we go. And Zach is going to be having the joy and the privilege of recapping the plot this time around, as opposed to uh, me when I had to recap four hours of movies, he only has to do 90 minute movies. So there you well, go. that is until we start getting later in the franchise and these movies That's start true. becoming like two hour behemoths. <laughs> yeah. The extended so, edition two and yeah. a half hour. There's definitely some yeah. extended editions in there, but yeah. So once we get to fast eight Hobbs and Shaw and uh, fast nine, It'll be uncharted territory for me, no pun intended for the uncharted movie coming up. Um, mm. But unlike that piece of dog shit, we love these movies, right? They're not oh, yeah. the best pieces of cinema out there, but they certainly are fun. And they have some really cool practical effects that kind of have changed Hollywood as well as what a blockbuster can be in the modern era since the, sure. the 80s when the action blockbuster kind of ruled king. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go. But what's what's your personal history of the franchise? So my history goes back a long time, actually. Like I, uh, I, uh, I, I think the I remember seeing the fast, the first Fast and Furious movie I ever remember seeing in theaters was Tokyo Drift because it was kind Classic. of like a movie that I probably shouldn't have seen at the age that I was when I saw it. But I'm pretty sure I remember sneaking into that movie. Like we, I'm pretty sure we bought tickets to whatever PG movie was going out there, and then me and my friends snuck into Tokyo Drift and ended up watching that instead. Um, nice. So I came to the franchise a little bit late, um, but then I obviously caught up with the franchise with you know Fast Furious One and then Too Fast Too Furious, and then from Fast Four on, I've seen every single one of them in theaters except for. I never made it out to the theater to see Hobbs and Shaw. I saw that one video on demand, um, but. It's always been a franchise that I've really, really enjoyed in terms of action schlock, like action movie yeah, yeah, cheesiness. It's like popcorn it is, um, yeah, it's, sure. it is the pop, it is the definition of a popcorn movie. And uh, you know, the Marvel movies have kind of taken that to the modern age, and they've done what they've done with those movies and made them family affairs and these giant event pictures. But for whatever reason, Fast and Furious has always been. I don't know. It's kind of been like the uh, not the ugly stepchild, but the little like the little brother to those franchises. I feel like it has, like you said, like the movies do well box office wise. And we'll talk about that when we get into the box office for this thing. But um, I feel like they don't have as much of a they're mainstream in a way, but there's also a huge cult following for the like lore of these movies. Um, yeah. Which is something that is very, very bizarre because it's like I feel like any Tom, Dick, and Harry will go see the next Mission Impossible movie and not really care about what's happening in the greater lore. But there is a sect of fans that watch the Fast and Furious movies that really do care about the characters. And that's always kind of where I've felt is that like, I've always, I, I mean, I essentially grew up watching these movies and really enjoying them. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to go back through all of them one after the other with a critical eye and kind of like go back through and kind of, you know, touch on all the things that, you know, touch on our pros, our cons, because these movies do have a lot of cons. There's a lot of stuff to make fun of. Obviously, there's a lot of really 
goofy stuff, maybe stuff that doesn't age super well. But um, in the grand scheme of things, I really do think that these movies are just a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that's alluring about them is the ensemble cast that continues to build as they start to to pull in all the different branches from the first four movies into oh, yeah. kind of like one team, eventually make like essentially making a version of the Avengers that only has superpowers when they're in cars um, or even not then just any type of vehicle. But yeah. it's a cool concept too, because one of the other popular franchises that features a great ensemble that does crime that came out around this time is the oceans 11 movies, which they made three of. Um, yeah. So I think just people love to root for the bad guys that aren't really that bad. You know what I mean? It's sure. uh heist movies of, of all sorts over the course of these films. And those are always just very, very fun. Everyone loves a rogue, right? Going back all the way to like Humphrey Bogart and Han Solo and stuff. And the modern rogue for us is Dominic Toretto. So there we <laughs> he go. Is the modern quote rogue. me on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But, it's like the, these, uh, these movies, uh, I, I definitely associate at least the first three, they have an edgy sort of quality to it. And I'm sure that's something we'll talk about for the most of this review as we get into it, but it's like the movies do kind of start from a very innocent place of an early 2000s sort of vibe and era from, you know, the clothing, the music, the aesthetic, and then they kind of turn into something completely different. It's a, it's a, it's a franchise that I think has evolved very gracefully, honestly, from, from where it began. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it also doesn't discount anything that it did in the past. Right. So it's like, Tokyo Drift is kind of more more or less a box office disaster to the point that they quote unquote rebooted the franchise to bring back Vin Diesel. Yeah. Um, but they were able to incorporate that into the films all the way up until Fast Seven, where it's like the one of the opening segments of Fast Seven. So it's like they don't leave anything off the table, um, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree. I do think, um, you know, I saw you, you're drinking, uh, you're drinking some red wine. It looks like out of a uh, glitter bomb glass. Yeah, I'm drinking. I'm a classy bitch like that. Yep. I'm drinking red wine out of a boring ass glass, but I also. Hey, <laughs> nice. Uh, it's the only thing I had in my fridge. It's a Michelob with lime. But next week's episode, <laughs> when I'm prepared, I there's a snowstorm happening in the Midwest right now, so. Yeah, I left we're my house today to, houses. Yeah, yeah, I left my house today to go get like laundry detergent and some basic groceries. Totally neglected to buy a pack of Coronas, but as you could have any brew you want, as, as long, long as, as it's corona. corona. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about this, Zach, but I don't know if we've talked about this. I don't mind sharing with our podcast listeners, but I've given I'm giving up beer for the month of February. Oh wow. Well. Lose some weight a little bit and cut back on some of them extra calories. And uh, so you're just going to be shooting straight liquor at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and wine pretty much. Oof, yeah, that's but, uh, that's a dangerous game, my friend. I got it, dude. Too fast, too furious, baby. <laughs> I got it. Um, but it's tough because I really want to sip on a Corona during one of these pods. So we got to make this shit last till March so that I can have a Corona for some of the later ones. I'm sure we'll be able to make that happen. Yeah. You could just get a non-alcoholic Corona. <laughs> it's not It's not about the alcohol. <laughs> I'm not giving, I'm not going dry. Oh. I'm just giving up beer. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. But yeah, you want to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's dive into it. All right. Uh, so, The Fast and the Furious. Now, notice it is The Fast 
and the furious because mm. we're gonna have to get to that later on down the line but yeah naming naming schemes for this series gets a little a uh, little dicey there i think it's, i think they're in on the joke now right sure yeah 100 percent. it's like the fast and the furious too fast too furious the fast and the furious tokyo drift fast and furious fast five furious six or fast and furious six depending on if it's the title card versus the dvd uh furious seven fate of the furious and then it's just f9 <laughs> it's just like that's that's it <laughs> um f9 anyway, the fast the, saga the one that started it all uh released on june 22nd 2001 the fast and the furious directed by rob cohen who is a director that does not make another appearance in the fast and the furious franchise but kicked it off with the very um grounded approach to filming he's also directed things such as the witches of eastwick and the whiz just based off of some half-assed internet research there for you he was a producer on the running man with schwarzenegger yep Yep. so definitely has an eye for the action um popcorn blockbuster uh the screenplay is uh treated for story with uh, gary scott thompson and eric bergquist who uh thompson is given the story by credit who also wrote the second one, which we'll get to down the road. But once they got some of their casting in line, some of the script rewrites, I'm assuming for a lot of the dialogue, were done by Vin Diesel himself, as well as a favorite of the podcast, David Ayer, the director of the Suicide Squad. Or sorry, Suicide Squad. Suicide um, Squad. Yes, the the Jared Leto, uh, Will Smith Suicide Squad. So real quick before we move on, thoughts on David Ayer as the script doctor? Um, I mean, it's interesting. I wonder how much of a component he was really in the production of the project. I mean, uh, this must have been very early on in David Ayer's career. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it was 2001. I don't know how old David Ayer is, but this probably was a very early project for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I can see David Ayer writing like all of the race war stuff. Like that just seems like right up his alley. Like uh, Southern California type of, um, Latina pop kind of stuff going on there. But anyway, so that's, uh, that's how they kick off the franchise in terms of writing the story. But as we'll get to the plot later on, the story's pretty straightforward. It's just a fun. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It's point break. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it is a blatant point break ripoff. Yeah. Um, which I think serves it well. It's point break on land, which is nice. Um, point break with cars. Yeah. I'm bit, I mean, Name a more iconic duo, Brian and Dom or Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. It's a tough yeah. one. It's a toss-up. Um, but yeah, again, released in June of uh, 2001 with a budget of $38 million. Very low budget, a lot of practical effects. Um, and then diving in a little bit to some of the box office revenue from this movie. It pulled in an international box office of $144 million, uh, And then a... Uh, Sorry, that's the domestic amount. The international amount is $62 million for a total worldwide gross of $207 million, roughly. So with a budget of $38 million, this thing definitely cleaned house. And yeah, that's a huge led success. to them making multiple sequels. Yeah, so. especially for the time, too. The interesting thing to talk about, really, with the, the budget of $38 million, the box office of what, it was like $200 million, right? Somewhere around there? $38 million. Oh wait, total box office? Total box office. 207 million. 207 million. The interesting thing to talk about and uh, you know, 
we'll probably dive into this more when we get further on along in the franchise. But the fact that this movie kind of dissolved, like Vin Diesel didn't want to come back for Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, well, he became a star, right? He went on to do Chronicles of Riddick and Triple X. So. Yeah. In fact, Riddick yeah, is right. a big part about why the franchise continued to go on is because like he, you know, he made the agreement and we'll talk about this when we get to Tokyo Drift, you know, spoilers for the future or whatever, but he, he made the agreement to be in that movie as a cameo if the, if they would relinquish the rights to Riddick to him so that he can make it independently. Um, but then when Tokyo Drift was such a, such a success and when he saw where the franchise is going with Justin Lim behind the wheel, he signed on back to do four. And so it was an interesting rocky road. Like the, this series might not have had the legs and the longevity that it had, if not for some, you know, turbulence along the way. There's definitely some great um, behind the camera stuff that we could get into between beef with the cast and stuff like that later on down the road. But oh yeah, there's some big drama. I mean, the one thing on. that they build this franchise around is the relationship between Paul Walker and Vin Diesel's characters, as well as their off-screen friendship. Um. But yeah, there's that quote by the time they get to Fast Five that Dwayne Johnson said where he quote like called himself franchise Viagra, where it's like he comes in and and helps bring franchises like back up. So we'll see if he does that with the DCU as well. But uh <laughs> yeah, so definitely a box office juggernaut. Not all of them can speak for this, but this was for the time pretty big, especially in two thousand one. Definitely in two thousand one. I mean, like that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money in two thousand one compared to now. Yeah. Zach, you like fruit? I do like fruit. Let's check out the old Rotten Tomato meter. Um, so critic review out of 154 reviews is 54%, which is certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. But an audience score of over 250,000 plus ratings is 74%. Um, I want to read you this critic review real quick. I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> this is from wait. December of 2010. So again, almost a decade after the movie came out. Two out of five stars from Common Sense Media's uh, Nell Minow, a top critic. Uh, They said, this is a bad movie. Bad movie. Skip it. That's the review. So that was a review from the time that the movie came out, right? That wasn't a review later? No, that was from 2010. That was from 2010? That guy's a that guy's an absolute fuckwad. Doesn't know what he's talking about. He obviously <laughs> obviously has never watched anything else except for this movie. Yeah, That's another ridiculous. movie from Variety. Another critic. Um, okay, a gritty and gratifying cheap thrill. Rob Cohen's high octane hot car Miller this is a true rarity these days. A really good exploration and the sort of thing that would rule at drive-ins if they existed. That was in two thousand and eight, and this is uh before the drive-ins came back. So. Yeah, kind of funny quote there, but yeah, a little bit of um, a theme going forward is that some critics think these are fun and know what they are, and others actually grade these on a scale of like comparing it to Citizen Kane, and uh, <laughs> it's just, just not the franchise to do that with. So, but we'll talk a little. We're making bit a movie off. like we're making a movie better than <laughs> Citizen Kane. Yeah, but we'll talk a little bit about our thoughts on the films, both from a critical and sure, you know, fan perspective. Um, and then before you uh, dive into that plot and hit the Nas, I figured I'd drop some fun facts that I thought were pretty entertaining. Um, so producer uh, Neil Moritz is a producer on many of the Fast and the Furious franchise films. And I think he helped really get the 
get the um, franchise off of the starting line. Um, I want to read you some possible castings for Brian O'Connor before they were able to secure Paul Walker, who was offered the role initially. Some other options were uh, Eminem, also known as Marshall Mathers, the rapper. Huge in 2001. Right? Also known Huge. as, in case you've never heard of Eminem, he's also known as Mar- Marshall Mathers. <laughs> well, I got to cover my bases. Um, he turned it down to do 8 Mile. Interesting take. Can you imagine this movie with Vin Diesel and Eminem? <laughs> That's that time, man. I, I have mean, the that is that, melt, huh? <laughs> that is that time. Like, I mean, yeah. that is so that era. I can I can absolutely see a movie. Like, it, it is, like you say, imagine it. Like, it's kind of easy for me to imagine that movie. Like, it. I, can't, I, I think that he probably would have done an okay job. I mean, like... I don't know if he could play a cop, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so this might be... This might you might chastise me because I've never seen Eight Mile. Oh, really? No, good movie. He's just playing himself, though. It's an easy role. Sure, but I I get the sense that for most of this movie, Paul Walker is kind of playing Paul Walker. That's kind of the charm of the character. As I feel like he's the thing about Paul Walker, which R.I.P. to a legend. But yeah, oh yeah, like we can't talk enough about Paul Walker. Is a not a great actor, but he is a very fun co-leading man. Very charismatic. A, a great cadence with his voice that is definitely very handsome. Uh, but yeah, he's just like a he's like a B tier Keanu Reeves, right? So I love Paul Walker, man. Yeah, me too, too. Too fast, too soon, definitely. But yeah, his role uh, kind of waxes and wanes. Like I mean, like he really starts. Yeah. He finds his footing in the four, five, six kind of era. Like I feel like. We'll get to it. We, too Fast, Too Furious is going to be quite the flick for us to review because that movie kind of sucks dick. Like, that's the worst in the franchise. Easy. Yeah, it's, it's not none. great. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I actually like him a lot in this movie, but I think you're Me right. Too. I think he kind of... He definitely hits his stride once he's no longer a cop. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, other other potential Brian O'Connors, Mark Wahlberg, our favorite. I could have... I could have been Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Say hello to your Ford for me. <laughs> I'll have the tuna sandwich. No crust. Yeah. Um, listen, I don't want to keep shitting on Mark Wahlberg because I like one of his movies, but uh, in the world where Uncharted comes out in 12 days, uh, I don't Ugh. like this guy right now. But this other potential casting does intrigue me. Christian Bale. Yeah. Before Batman possibly could have ruined his chances of being batman (laughs) but still pretty interesting i mean i'm sure he looked at that script and was like no fuck this mate fuck this this shit (laughs) it's like i'm not fucking ordering a tuna sandwich in this fucking major motion picture that's a little state to me but i like uh, i like i like the idea of vin diesel calling him being like yo christian we want you in this movie dog and he's like I'll come for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so obviously they wound up securing Paul Walker, who was coming off of another um, action movie in 2000, which I, I don't have off the top of my head. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was an unknown. Like, Pretty I mean, this is, this is the movie that broke him. Pretty much. For um, me, this is the movie that broke Vin Diesel as well. I mean, like he had been in Saving Private Ryan, yeah. Um, and some other things, but like this is his first like leading man role. Pop quiz: Do you know Vin Diesel's character name in Saving Private Ryan? Is it Vin? No, it's another Italian name though. Mm, Marco. Nope, it's uh, Adrian Caparzo. Adrian. 
Adrian. <laughs> exactly. By the way, they were um, watching. Uh, there's some scene in this movie where they're watching. Uh, there's there's a uh, Sylvester Stallone movie that's playing on the TV. Do you know what I movie that is? I thought it was a is? Bruce Lee movie. Is it a Bruce Lee movie? I thought it was Sylvester Stallone that was running around on the screen. They're probably watching Rambo or something else that Universal owned. Yeah, so. it looked like there were robots in it though. That's what confused me. Yeah, definitely a Stallone movie then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some Stallone B movie. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, some, some impossible Dominic Toretto's Universal didn't want to pick up the film unless they cast Timothy Oliphant as Dominic Toretto. Uh, he's coming off of Gone in 60 Seconds, which is another like racing criminal-esque movie before this. Um, after it's he an declined okay movie. the role. Yeah. After he declined the role, uh, Neil Moritz was like, what about Vin Diesel? Um, therefore changing history for the years to come by yeah. casting him in this role. Oh. Gone in 60 seconds. Have you have you seen Gone in 60 seconds? I have not. So we're talking specifically the one that Timothy Oliphant in was the one that Nick Cage was the leading guy in Gone in 60 seconds, right? Okay. Correct. That is the worst Nicolas Cage movie because he is the most not Nicolas Cage. He is so boring in that movie. Um, uh, he's it's worth down. a watch, interestingly enough. I would say it's worth a watch because... He's not playing a Nicolas Cage that you see a lot of charisma or character in. He's very much just playing like a very boring leading character. And it's so weird to see Nicolas Cage in a role like that because usually he tends to gravitate towards roles where he's going to be a little goofy or kooky or have room for like some improvisation or some some uniqueness to the role. But in that movie, he's just he's boring ass white dude. Number one, like it's really, really fascinating. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. Timothy Oliphant in that movie at all. Don't remember him in the slightest. Yeah. But Timothy Oliphant's cleaning up right now in the Star Wars universe, so that's pretty cool. Um, shout out to my guy, Cobb Vanth. I hope you make it. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> here's an interesting uh, also like possible castings. Um, they weren't apparently shopping the role of Letty around that we found, um, but Mia Toretto specifically as the leading lady, Dom's sister, Brian's romantic interest was shopped around to like a lot of early 2000s stars, which I think is fascinating. But they wound up going with Jordana Brewster. Um, the first one that they actually offered it to was Eliza Dushku, who's in uh, Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back. She's I the can one totally see it, man. Yeah, she's the one who asked Jay to talk about the clit. Um, yep. which is just great. Also, TV phenom at the time, Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was also making Scooby-Doo around this time, too. So big, big box office draw. Um, same for Jessica Biel. Kirsten Dunst, who was in Spider-Man around this time, which is crazy. And then Natalie Portman, who was in Star Wars at this time. Neither so, of those I see at all. No. Not the at only all. one I see is the first one. Yeah, I think Elijah Dusku, Elijah Dusku is such that era. So that makes sense yeah. to me. But yeah, Natalie Portman in this role, I can't think of a worse miscast than that. That is a... Like, I don't know, just not the vibe. Mia Mia yeah. has like, and especially as we go on later in the series, she has like a badass streak to her too. I mean, they even show it in this movie a little bit. Like she's like, she knows how to drive the street cars and stuff like that. And she's, you know, she's yeah. a little bit rough and tough. She's come from a rough upbringing, but it's like, I just don't see that in Kirsten Dunst or Natalie Portman. Not in the slightest. No, no, definitely not. Um, quick thoughts just on Jordana Brewster as a whole. You, you be, Are you a fan? 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think she's, uh, I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's cute. She's very, very cute. She's very, uh, I mean, definitely. I love her interplay with the guys that she knows. It really does feel like, I mean, like, the interesting thing to me is that, you know, and we still need to give our like thoughts on the movie too. But like, one of my big thoughts on the movie is it's interesting the way that it, the, the, it went with the romantic interests in this movie because. Yeah. Did you know one of the trivia is that I didn't see it on your trivia fun fact thing here, but um, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez were dating at the time of the production of this. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> and this is one of my one of my least favorite things about the franchise is I think that they have some of the least uh, chemistry <laughs> in the franchise. Like, oh, I disagree. I, I, I think it gets better. It. I think it does get better, but I do th- like I, for a lot of this movie, it feels like they're like kind of like brother and sister. It doesn't really feel like they're like romantically involved, except for the gratuitous scenes of him, like picking her up and like, yeah, grabbing definitely. her butt and like putting her on a car and like making out with her and stuff like that. But it's like, I mean, I, you know, the passion that they feel when she says, I smell skank. Skank. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line. Such a good line. Yeah. Um, meow. Well, talking about those two uh, fabulous actresses, uh, before this movie, Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez did not have a driver's license prior to filming, so they had to take the test, obviously, so that they could do some minor stunt work and or just be behind the wheel of the vehicle. It's very and then funny my favorite car fact movie. about the movie. Yeah. 78 cars were wrecked on and off screen, which is interesting, uh, during the course of filming this movie. That number is going to dr- increase dramatically when we get to zombie car. <laughs> or when they start, yeah, when they start dropping them out of planes and shit. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's all my all my fun facts. Um, unless you have any more, feel free to. Not off the top of my Nazi, head. I, buster. I, I, yeah, I did some scrolling through here. I think it's interesting that. Um, I like this trivia fact that I saw on IMDb that's Vin Diesel accidentally broke a stuntman's nose. <laughs> I just like that fact. I think that that's funny. I'm sure that happened more than once. Yeah. Um, but no, you covered most everything that I think is the most, the most interesting to talk about here. Oh, yeah. here it is. Yeah. You, no, you were right. The movie playing on television in Dom's house during the party is Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Yeah. Also directed by Rob Cohen. So I must have just seen Bruce Lee and thought it was Sylvester Stallone, but they're also watching it on a CRT TV from 2001. So, yeah. Well, you want to hit the Nas? Sure. I mean, do we want to, uh, did we give our thoughts on the movie itself or do you want me to just jump right into the plot? I mean, we talked about the franchise, I mean, but do we want to talk we, about the movie? We can rank it later on, but yeah. Do you like the movie? <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I love this movie, man. I mean, like going back and rewatching it today, like it's uh, I rewatched all these movies during the pandemic. Um, I bought yeah. the the 4K box set where that had every movie up to Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I don't know. I love these movies. I think that this movie is great. I, I think that it is very much a sign of the times, but, you know, that is totally OK. I think that it does some really, really, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that just makes me smile and laugh. And, uh, yeah, there is some legitimately good character stuff in the movie, but for the most part, it is like watching this movie is like, well, this is kind of like the prelude to when the movies really get good. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it is an interesting sign of the times. It's an interesting period piece. I mean, it doesn't feel like it, but 2001 was 
two decades ago. And, yep. uh, it makes me feel old because I do remember this kind of time. Like I remember seeing grownups that dressed and acted like this and like seeing these kinds oh, of yeah. people I on mean, TV. This movie is definitely, a, uh, like MTV music video of our lifetime back in 2001 and the early two thousands. Like, yeah, you got Vince wearing the mesh shirt tank top and oh my god we'll talk about that i've got a i've got a huge note about vince's outfits in this movie (laughs) oh yeah and the cars that they use in this movie too are from that early street racing scene in los angeles in the early 2000s where it's like buy the cheapest car possible like a honda civic and then put a bunch of money into souping it up on the inside and like cutting out the back seat um so none of the cars look like cool in my opinion except for dom's uh like mustang that car um, or Dodger or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a Dodge. Um, yeah. It's like a, it's a charger, right? Of Detroit yeah. muscle. Yeah. Oh God. I love that. Yeah. That car is so awesome. Um, I think, I don't remember if they're still selling it, but I think that there was a Lego set that was Dom's Dom's car. And I kind of really would love to buy that and build it. Cause that'd be fun. That would be, be cool fun. to put on the, put on the desk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, this is the, the, this is definitely the fastest movie that I've seen the most. Um, I just remember like going over to my friend's houses and their big siblings would have it on TV or something. Like it's definitely a movie I would not have seen in 2001 cause I was six, sure. <laughs> but yeah, over time it's been, it had a run on Netflix for a little bit. Definitely had a big cable run. So, Oh my God, these movies are always playing on FX. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever turn on um, your cable yeah and then one thing i can't wait to talk to you about when we get deeper into the franchise and they do introduce some of the other characters is like this franchise is so big now that they have a riot at universal studios um which i have been on and what you've been on the ride i have oh I have. my god do it's they play good. the tokyo drift theme song <laughs> bing, no bing, it's a bing, bad move it's a bad ride but uh, oh that sucks yeah is it like the italian job stunt track from king's island remember that piece of shit <laughs> no it's um you're in a super limo that's essentially a bus and everything's happening on screens like out the window okay so it's all like based on cgi and there's a moment spoiler alert there's a moment where a cgi dom jumps out of his car and jumps into a helicopter um it's ridiculous but the effects are really bad but uh Love they it. did get all the cast for all the like stuff in the queue so like while you're waiting in line ludicrous like facetimes everyone so it's kind of cool but yeah we'll get there when we get there with our boy tej so but yeah no i dig this movie a lot it's it's big big nostalgia for me yeah um and once we once we continue to rank the movies we'll kind of i'll be curious to see where it falls for you as it does for me but like it's a good springboard for everything, but it's definitely not the best of the franchise because of how big the stakes get later on. So, Yeah. The movies evolve and change so much. They all feel so different and there's distinct eras of fast movies. Um, each one of them kind of does something unique for the franchise. Um, you know, this one is the first, I mean, this is the new hope of the, uh, of the fast and furious franchise. And, uh, you know, it's all got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? Yep. Every saga has the beginning, right? Yep. Zach's, uh, cracking his back. I had to crack my back real fast. 
getting ready, getting ready to dive on in. Yeah. All right. Am I doing yeah, this? Thing? No, I don't have any, I don't have any other overview thoughts. I can't wait to talk about the movie with you, but okay, cool. Well, I've got copious notes. Um, please feel free to interject if there's anything that you specifically want to talk about um, with all the points that I've got going on here, but I'm just going to do what I do best and ramble on, which is uh, I love it. the Zach special. But before I let's, do that, uh, let's, let's salute me familia. Hey, salute me familia. All right, John, before we get into the plot of Fast and Furious, um, the Fast and the Furious, uh, we have breaking news from the Hollywood Reporter. Um, this does is, it involve Fast and the Furious? It does not involve the Fast and the Furious, so this is a just a very tangential segment here. But people no, are used like to this. A drift. Cool. Yeah, we'll talk about this on the next news episode of the show. But uh, uh, the Hollywood Reporter's inside sources collaborate uh, corroborate that the Obi Wan series will de- be debuting in May of this year. And I'll be at Star Wars Celebration to see that trailer drop. I wonder if they dropped the first episode. Oh, like at the panel, they just show it. Yeah. If they they're do, like, uh, I'll text you and I'll just be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> they're like, thank I'm you all for being here. McGregor. <laughs> and we'd love to show you something very special. This is the first episode of Obi-Wan and then the lights go down and then they show it. I still think you should try and come to Los Angeles that week with Kyle and I. That'd be fun. We need to get that schedule. We need you, to talk about that. Even if we can't get you a ticket for every day of the con, like be fun if you could pop out for a couple of them but yeah it would be fun we'll talk about that another time another time all right ladies and gentlemen we are here with the fast and the furious um we open with uh, the street racer squad and they want to rob some vcrs and this is the best <laughs> early 2000s opening of all time um hey good brand though sony and panasonic i mean sony and panasonic yeah, they open it up. They show the backside of this truck or whatever that has like the 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 cash, as they would say, C A C H E, um, cachet, the cachet, uh, and yeah, it's VCR video TV combos. Um, my question to you, John, is how much is this truck worth in twenty twenty two? Twenty five cents. <laughs> <laughs> not even worth the cost of fuel. Let's put it that Can't way. Can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I, like most of the stuff you'd find in a landfill at this point in time. Uh, and the other question I have for you is that a, in 2001, with a truck driver driving such a high-value cargo, um, why is he only armed with a baseball bat? <laughs> because that's what he's using to fend off these street racers is a baseball why bat. Why is he armed at all? It's entertainment systems. Like It's not like he's driving PS5s around in the desert, you know, which is essentially what happened last summer with the real Dominic Toretto crew stealing all those PS5s. But Well, you would have to imagine that any truck driving any specific like high value thing would have some sort of defense mechanism, right? Would you just leave your I think they should have a a def- like a passenger <laughs> with a gun. That's a fair point. This is my big complaint or later spoilers later on in the last chase of the movie is the guys trying to drive a truck and shoot a shotgun at the same time as opposed to just like the Department of Transportation giving him a Teamster with a double barrel that can sit in his shotgun yeah. seat. And the other uh, thing too is that like, is this driver personally invested in this product that he's hauling or is he just a driver? Because if he's just a driver, why does he give a fuck? Well, if for positions cool. like this, just to give you a little behind the scenes kind of stuff as a that former delivery sure. driver, oh, if yeah. you're delivering specialized cargo, you get bonuses. And there's inherent risk involved with delivering something like that, right? Correct. That's all I can reveal for my NDA with UPS. 
Well, yeah. So we have this intro scene here with the the theft on the car. The you have the street racer cars coming up. They have the neon bottoms. All of them are synced up. I remember that this was heavily featured in the trailer. I also remember this being just a really cool scene when I watched it very, for the first time because they're driving yeah. under the car. They have the construction on either sides of the roads. They have the cars go underneath and then they come back through the other side. I just remember the that being all really, black, really cool. The all black car with the tinted windows and green underneath it is like kick ass looking. It's very, very dope. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like maybe we should. I'm going to ask you this real quick before we dive even further, but like, what's your interest in cars? Because like, these are action movies, but like, do you have any interest in like street racing or cars or like cool cars? Like does that aspect of entertainment or technology interest you in any way? Definitely entertainment. Um, I mean, I was a delivery driver for UPS, but I, I consider myself to be a pretty good professional driver. Um, I've never raced before, but I would love to do honestly. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like we gotta, we gotta get the elephant out of the room. I can't drive stick. Can you? And like, to be a racer, you got to drive stick. No, my, uh, my dad tried to teach me how to drive stick when I was in like high school and I, I panicked and it was an awful experience and I, I can't do yeah. it. So yeah, I've never tried since learn. that one. You want to learn how to drive stick? Fuck yeah, dude. You know what we should do is, you know, that, that would actually be a fun like bachelor party thing is like if we have a bachelor party in Vegas, we should do go to like, race wars. <laughs> we go to race wars. <laughs> exactly. You know, rent out because I've seen people that you can go to like you can pay money for like a group to go to like a racetrack in the desert and they'll like teach you how to drive like a fast car or whatever with like a, with like a professional in the car or whatever. Like that could be sure. that could be a fun time. But like a professional NASCAR driving is so different from like driving a souped up street car like sure. a honda civic 2000 or, or a mitsubishi <laughs> 98s and stuff like that yeah um yeah dude no i i i cars are like i'm not super up to date on like makes and models and all that kind of stuff but i love driving as a both it gets me where i'm going and i just i love the i love the feel of the road underneath my feet gripping up on that steering wheel yeah so. Yeah, I'm not a huge car nut. Like I, uh, we have a good friend Nate that we should probably, if we ever get to like a really technological episode of the show, we should invite Nate on to to info us on some cars, car knowledge because I feel like he'd be able to drop some serious knowledge bombs on us. Well, we uh, should definitely bring him and Carly on for Tokyo Drift because he could oh, talk okay. about drifting and Carly. I know loves that movie, so yeah, I think that'd be a fun pod. Um, that would be a fun. One. Yeah, you ever tried to drift before? No, like, I, other than like drifting turn. in the snow and like parking lots when we were <laughs> when we were stupid ass kids, you know what I mean? The only the only driving stunt you've done is hydroplaning. Yeah. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the heist it, it kind of it cuts off at a really in, interesting time because we don't get to see like the end of the heist. It just kind of like nope. They drive away past the construction, and then it pans up to this shot of Los Angeles, um, and then we pan down and uh, welcome to the show. Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor. Uh, yep. He's test driving a racing car, um, a green, a neon puke green racing car on this like track in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's it's at, also uh, Dodger stadium. It's the parking lot. Yeah. It's like right outside Dodger stadium. It's also yep. the most egregious use of shaky cam on the planet earth. Um, there's a one shot there's of the car bad... driving and it's like the, yeah. the camera's like jumping up and down. It's, it's awful. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Definitely. Um, yeah, so he, he he's driving this car. We don't really have exact. We have no context for the character. He's just up, you know. He tries to drive it. He tries to go real fast, and he gets upset when he can't do it one hundred percent perfect. Now, I guess 
they reveal that he's a cop in the trailer though, right? So that's one of the things that I think is interesting is that, yeah, I think that that twist was revealed in the trailer. But if you go into this movie not knowing that, like you're in this movie for a good hour before that twist really even comes up. I actually think it serves the movie better that you know that going into it, though. Really? Because otherwise, like... I disagree. Otherwise, why would I go see it? Like, I don't care that much about street racing. You know what I mean? But, like, I love... Real quick, one of my favorite things and the reason why I love this franchise is I love a movie about a cop and a criminal and when they become friends and, like, the lines start to get skewed, right? So, like, the town, you got John Hamm and Ben Affleck, Heat, you got Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, Point Break, Swayze and Keanu, and then you got this. this is like the best franchise example. But that's like one of my favorite tropes in movies is, and they quote it later on in the movie, is like, are you going native on me? But like the dances with wolves aspect where it's like you become part of the tribe. Um, ah, it's the best. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but I also do think that like, you know, for a lot of people, it was just the allure of, oh, it's an action movie with these big name stars, or not big name stars, but it's this action movie. It's a new franchise. So then you go in not expecting that. But yeah, I, I, I think that like, I mean, it's been so long. This movie has been in my life for so long that I can't remember a time when I didn't know that Brian O'Connor was a cop, but I'm just yeah. trying to imagine myself going back into this and then not knowing that like, I think that I think part of genuinely yeah. surprised part of the thing too, is marketing is terrible in the sure. early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Like Espe- they showed oh, yeah. everything Especially that they needed the to get your ass in the seat and they don't really care. So, you know, movie trailers would spoil the entire movie back then and people didn't care. They, they just wanted to know what they were getting into. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so Brian's racing his car. He drives out. We don't really get to see that. He gets another shot, another scene, uh, panoramic shot of the city of Los Angeles. And then uh, Brian. It's a good Los Angeles movie. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's very. It's if you don't very, mind me interjecting uh, real quick. Do you like Los Angeles? I've never been. I've only ever been to Los, uh, to the Los Angeles airport. Oh, my God. You would love LA, dude. Love it. La La Land. I'm a huge um, fan of La La Land. <laughs> I've just never been to the city. I've only ever top, seen it. My top five LA movies. Ready? Sure. In no particular order. Heat. La La Land. The Fast and the Furious, um, Furious Seven, probably. <laughs> Even though it takes place in Abu Dhabi, <laughs> it's in it's in Los Angeles for some of it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That's four out of five. I, I'll have to come back to you. Cool. So we cut from that. Uh, Brian O'Connor's walking up to the Toretto Cafe. Which, uh, where is this? And can we go there for the Fast Ten finale? Uh, I don't yeah, know. If I mean, an actual building, but. It definitely never comes up again, which no, is unfortunate. No, no, no. I mean, it does come up again once in Furious 7, but... Um, they yeah. just talk about the tuna melt, though. They don't really talk about... Like, they don't No, they don't the talk cafe. about the cafe, but they just show it. They show, like... Oh, uh, yeah. One of my favorite lines. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Um, I'm in no rush to get there. I'm going to be a mess when we do that part. <laughs> Yeah, don't even don't don't even do it don't even do it um but yeah so brian wants tuna with no crust and mia knows this guy's thirsty as fuck uh walks in the Let bar me ask you a question sure do you like tuna melts i don't like tuna very much okay tuna melt is definitely like the last sandwich i would want i think I mean, they are in a coastal city, so you would assume that the fish is probably. I mean, they eat shrimp later on in the movie. You would assume that it's like someone. Yeah, but you're not making seafood. 
there's no way that the Toretto Cafe is making a fucking fresh caught tuna melt sandwich. Like they're using Starkist. No, they're feeding him pepperoni and they're just like, yeah, it's tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brian. It's tuna. You know, hey, Buster, you like pepperoni? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite moments here is uh, I really love that Dom and Brian lock eyes like when <laughs> Dom looks like he's in a solitary confinement cell in this. Yeah, uh, in this his office cafe. is terrifying looking. It looks like an interrogation ward. It looks like the room where they have the Joker in the Dark Knight. <laughs> Look at you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that he's just day drinking on the job. Like classic LA move right there, honestly. Love that. So. Dom, can I get you a drink? And he just holds up the beer. He's like, already got one yeah when i was a um, when i was a delivery driver in santa cruz the amount of businesses i would go to where people would be day drinking on like blue collar workshops like working in garages and like different mechanic shops and stuff like that like people just have like modelos at like 11 in the morning i was like they would offer me one i'm like dude i'm literally driving <laughs> for a job <laughs> like i can't go anywhere. i can't do that like oh, Buster can't take a Corona. I know. I had several. I had several people be like, "Come back when you're done," and I was like, "All right, I'll see you at 10 p.m." <laughs> uh, so Vince and his crew show up, uh, looking like a grunge video again. This is yeah, like man. the outfits. Holy shit! It's it's absolutely wild. Um. You know, they come up, they want to wreck shit up. You can tell that they're they're there, they're there, they they got a mission. They're there to wreck shit. They're there to be intimidating. They uh Michelle Rodriguez gets out of the car looking looking just <laughs> like an MTV pop star, man, at that time. Like Yeah, she just looks pissed all the time. She always movie. looks mad. And and it's funny too, because if you go watch like I rewatched like while I was waiting to join on the call, I was watching there's a uh, like a behind the scenes documentary that was on the DVD for this that you can watch on uh-huh. YouTube. Michelle Rodriguez, every interview that she's in, she's like slumped in her chair with her gla- sunglasses on. She's like, she's like, yeah, it was a cool franchise. She's like, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like being a part of it. And then she went and uh, got a DUI and then got kicked off lost. Uh, Here's so the yeah. thing. Here's the thing. Michelle Rodriguez is like, for me, she's like Hispanic Ben Affleck, right? It's just like, I think she's got some ups and downs, but overall, I'm a big fan. So Hispanic Ben Affleck, but she's not great in Lost. <laughs> no, she's very bad in that show, actually. On Lucia Cortez. Um, real quick before you uh, you move on, I do think that this is a good like. It's definitely not the first time they meet, but it's like a good meet cute for Brian and Mia. And I hate oh, using yeah. that term, but we're two men almost in our thirties, and uh, I get really emotional about their family. <laughs> And uh, I think they're really great together. And I think Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker, even though they're both not great actors, I think the scenes between the two of them are really good. Yeah, they definitely have good chemistry. It is very of the time, though. It's just like hot blonde dude walks into a bar, orders a sandwich, ogles the waitress. Then they kind of fall in love because he's kind of a badass. Like, you know, he's a hunk. But he's a hunk it is what it is but it is very cute um there's more like there's better examples of this later on in the movie but i, I don't know i like the i like the the interplay between the two of them in this scene sure. especially once um once vince comes up and starts like accosting him at the bar and then she's like what do you want and he's like 
you look good, Mia. <laughs> <laughs> After like him and Paul Walker stare at each other for like 10 yeah. fucking seconds. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Vince stares down Brian, tells him to get to McDonald's, and then he uses a very pro- problematic slur. Yeah. <laughs> first, <laughs> first and only use in this movie, which is good. Um, there's a couple of uh, early 2000s fuck-ups in this movie in terms of language, but um, I love uh, how he... <laughs> How he says he should go to Fat Burger and get a meal for two ninety five, <laughs> a double and fries for two ninety five. Zach, we can't even get a cheeseburger for two ninety five. No, dude, a uh, a number ten, which is the McNugget like ten piece with fries or whatever, isn't that a number ten right now? Number nine? Something I don't like that? know. I haven't been. I haven't been to McDonald's unless I'm like getting breakfast in forever. Yeah, the last time I went to McDonald's was like a few, it was like a month or two ago. It was like driving. I think it was when I was driving to Cleveland last time. But um, yeah, I think a, a yeah. 10 piece McNugget with fries and a, and a drink is like almost $8 now. So yeah, perspective. I don't know if we ever talked about our McDonald's orders, but back in the day, mine was the number seven, which is the two cheeseburgers with fries and a drink. Um, and that clocks in, if I remember, around like seven fifty. So that's definitely I mean, ten bucks now. Double cheeseburger with fries for two ninety five. I would kill somebody for that deal to come back. <laughs> um. So yeah, they fight. Dom intervenes. Um. Well, uh, Mia Mia goes to things like Dom. Can you please help or whatever? Yeah, she's like, "Can you get out there?" And he's like, "What'd you put in that sandwich?" Yeah, <laughs> what did you put in the sandwich? Yeah, line. that's a good line. Before that, one of my other favorite lines is uh, letting going dom want a drink and he just holds up the can yeah. without even turning around to look at her <laughs> oh yeah that's great um but yeah they fight dom intervenes uh they kind of like they scrap for a little bit but then like dom eventually pulls him off and he's like hey man he was in my face i'm in your face <laughs> yeah which yeah. is one of my favorite dom dom lines is just like he's exactly saying exactly what don't don't push it you embarrass me he says to vince and then I just love yeah. the interaction. Hey, man, he was in my face. I'm in your face. It's it's so yeah. great. I mean, one of my favorite lines is, is is actually I think pretty clever is when he's like, "You work for Harry's Garage, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I just started." He's like, "Well, you, you were, were just fired." fired. Yeah, this <laughs> is a great a great one liner. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. So speaking of that, Brian O'Connor was just fired. Uh, he scrambles out of there as fast as he can after the fight, and then he goes back to the garage and. Uh, you know, he talks to it's Earl. Is it Earl or Ted? Is it Ted? I thought it was Harry's garage. Is it Harry's garage? Yeah, it is. No, I don't yeah, know who the character Harry. is, honestly. Yeah. So Harry says like, Hey, like he just called, like, you can't be messing around with this kind of stuff. Um, it was like, what, what did you tell him? He said, I just told him that good helps hard to find. Um, and then it's the whole thing where Brian's kind of sets up. He's like, I need Nas. <laughs> And then, uh, and then we're on to the first street race, street race number one time, yeah. man. We get let's, the uh, let's go, baby. This yeah. is a great scene. Yeah, we get the transition from like a good daytime to night. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the first action-packed set piece in the movie. Um, you got all these people hanging out in this giant, like this inner space between these two buildings. Whatever these buildings are, I have no idea if they're residential. Then these people are absolutely fucked. If they're commercial spaces, then that's probably the smarter way to go. They could just be abandoned. We don't know. There's I mean, probably a lot of abandoned real estate in Los Angeles. There is because it's always being turned into something else. LA is such a, a fluid town with some of that, but it's also 
I mean, that's definitely where it was filmed is like abandoned apartment complexes. But yeah, I think for the purposes of the movie, what we need to understand, they don't ever really explain, unfortunately, besides sure. the fact that like they have to do it when the cops are on the other side of the town is like street racing occurs where there's as, as few police as possible. So it's right. in a lot of like abandoned roads and shit like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I, I mean, like just to talk about this scene, like the clothes and the music, Jesus Christ, there are plus like Ja Rule is in this scene. Yeah. He's the character of this movie. Ja Rule like, was in the scene. Um, Monica! I have a note, <laughs> I, have, I, <laughs> I have a note here that's how did how in the fuck did did they agree he agree to Ja Rule's character in the movie? His name is Edwin. Yeah. Like that's the most nerdy ass shit I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> but I mean, like, we so we're getting he shots. Should have just of, been himself. I think it'd have been funny. He should have just been like, Ja Rule, yeah. Yeah, it'd been funny if they were like, yo, Ja Rule's here. And he's like, what up, Brian? <laughs> what? I'm Ja Rule. What's up, Brian? Yeah, yeah I mean, like, I'm, I'm, dude, like this scene, like this sequence, like, like all these people, it's like you got guys in like these like faux leather jackets and like these like tank tops and dudes wearing wife beaters and like plaid short sleeve t-shirts, girls with the the cheetah print bras and sequins and nothing like it is just, this is like, if you want to tell somebody what the early, like the late nineties, early two thousands was like, you show them this sequence. Like this is like, yeah. so such a sign of the times, like everyone. I mean, and it's like, it's also interesting. If you want too, a feminist like, to have a heart attack. You show them this movie as well. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of gratuitous ass, a lot of gratuitous titties. I mean, they get a lot better about like, yeah. Having women actually be characters. I mean, even in this movie, I mean, I think you do have some strong female leads in this movie. It just gets better over time for sure. Sure. They're a little objectified, but that's, we don't want to get too much in the weeds of that. Yeah. I I would disagree. I would, I would disagree that I don't think Mia's very objectified. I definitely don't. Oh, I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about Mia and Letty. I'm talking about like Monica, the the Catholic school girls that get out to like wave the flags at the beginning of the race. Yeah, sure. I mean, but to be fair and furious seven, there isn't like a gigantic ass that fills up the whole screen when they go to race in Abu Dhabi or whatever. But I hope that was like, I hope that was James Wan's wife or something like that. (laughs) Like otherwise if his wife's definitely calling him after seeing the premiere. Um. Yeah, so Joe Rule's there. He's walking up and down. People are starting to fill in. Vin's party's starting to fill in. Um, My favorite line from the scene before they actually race is, uh, you know, it's not about how you stand by your car. It's how you race your car. Good shit, man. I was going to say, my favorite line is... you got Dominic talking to these two, uh, these two girls, these two, <laughs> these two blondies, and then Michelle Rodriguez walks up and goes, "Meow, I smell skanks." Yeah, <laughs> that's my that's favorite good, line in the scene. That's a great line. It's very cheesy too. Um, we also very get introduced cheesy. to Hector in this scene. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we get introduced to Hector. He's the one that's going to hold the money. He's going to hold the cards. This is when Brian shows up in the green, uh, the green racer, and he pulls up and he kind of. You know, they're they're deciding what they want to do. They got people that are like, well, I'll race for this much, I'll race for this much. And then Brian walks up and he's like, Yo, I want to race for my car. And he's got the he's like, he's got I got the, the pink, pink slip. slip right here. Yep. And he's like, uh, he's like, tell you what, if I he's like, if I win, what does he say? He goes, He says, if if you win, you get to keep the car. And he goes, If I win, I keep the car and I get the respect. And I yeah. just love that all the people are like, 
<laughs> all like the all the background people are like oh damn um yeah. so then yeah it's time to race baby it's time yeah. to race i mean while they're setting up for the race uh leon who's a member of dom's crew that we never see after this movie is the guy who monitors the police radio one of the the worst line readings in my opinion is when the pizza delivery guy pulls up <laughs> and he's like He's like road street racer. He's like goddamn street racers, and he just mm-hmm. turns around. It's so funny too. Like I was, I, I had that in my notes too. It's like, man, I wonder what you know. Pizza Hut must have paid for that sponsorship. Um, I mean, Pizza Hut was king in two thousand one. Pizza Hut was Let's king. Be honest, they were the only people that did stuff crust right. They at I, that time I can and argue era. that they still do. I haven't had Pizza Hut in probably over a decade, so I can't say. Let's get Pizza Hut for the Super Bowl. You want to get Pizza Hut pizza for the Super Bowl? Just one. Just one? <laughs> Let's just see what all the fuss is about. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Another line I want to bring up is the Ja Rule scene where they're like, they're all, you know, they're, they're coming up here. They're getting ready to go. It's like, I think it might be right around the goddamn Street Racers sequence or whatever. But I love yeah. the, ja, the Ja Rule interaction with the, the babe that comes over to this car. And he's like, yeah, whether Monica. you win or you lose, this is yours. <laughs> like, uh-huh. He's like, but if you win, you get her too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking funny, man. I um, love the idea that Brian's goal is to win so he can be in Dom's crew and Ja Rule's just trying to have a three-way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um yeah, and then I, I do want to bring up I love the the dude playing the PlayStation in the car. Um Yep. I remember that being a huge deal when I was a kid. It's like what that technology exists. I never knew anyone that had a video game system in their car. I thought that yeah. that was hot shit right there. Um, also, all the digital monitors too—they're flashing between the other cars. And like Brian, even I think even Brian in his car, he brings up this like little monitor, and it's got like this like three D spectrogram of like the engine or whatever. And he's just like pressing random buttons on the computer to see what's going on with the engine. Um, yeah, he's crunching numbers while he's driving at one hundred and forty yes. miles an hour. Yeah, casual. But then. Yeah, I do think it's worth bringing up that you brought about this earlier. The guy like with the police scanner, like I think it's re- absolutely one of the most unbelievable things in this entire movie. And maybe I just don't understand fully how street racing works, but one single police emergency call is about to divert the entire LAPD for this one race. Do you know what I mean? He's like, all right, we're good to go. And then they race for a quarter of a mile. No yeah. cops, no cops at all in this entire yeah, I mean, quarter of a mile stretch. Street racing in Los Angeles. Um, the director of the movie went into an illegal street street race and got the idea to do this movie in the first place. Um, but you can hear stories about Los Angeles locals where it's like you'll just hear cars going at three in the morning. So the idea is that they're having a party in like a warehouse district from like midnight till possibly like five in the morning, waiting until almost like the stars aligned and somebody's monitoring police activity to like you know, if there's a crazy crime or like a fire or something that pulls a sure. lot of people over there. Yeah. Then they have enough time to do a race in like what, less than a couple of minutes. So, yeah. And then we get it, John, we get the, uh, the holy CGI car part sequence where we get to see the inside of the car as the, the, the engine speeds and the engine takes off and then the nos burns and then the cars take off and it's like i want to ask you what's worse this cgi of the inside of the car or the green lambling green goblin goblin bombs from spider-man definitely this 
definitely this. I think this is probably yeah. more egregious. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really bad towards the end of this race when they show Dom and Brian's car next to each other. And you can tell that they had, they didn't have the technology to film an actual street race like they do in the later movies. So yeah. the, the CGI that they use in this movie is pretty sparingly, but it's the most egregious in this scene, particularly. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so we race, uh, it's off to a rocky start. Brian's car kind of like it skirts out from the get go. The other guys are more professional. They take off straight, going straight. And then we start getting the, uh, the blurred lines on the outside of the car where it looks like, have, did you ever see speed racer? The scene always reminds me yeah. of speed racer where it's just like, it totally yeah. looks like they're, they're in like space shuttles and they're like rocketing past all these buildings. But this is a quarter of a mile. Remember I live my life a quarter mile at a time. This is a quarter mile race, but yet this, this race lasts for, I think a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, so the race happens because they have to spend half of that time having Ja, ja Rule shout, Menage, Monica. <laughs> Monica. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Brian, Brian hits the Nas and he blows past Ja Rule and he blows past the other guy. And then he's neck and neck with uh, he's neck and neck with Dom. Uh, but he uh, he just pulls it a little bit too early. Danger to manifold. And then the hits car the starts breaking down. He hit the Nas too yep. soon. He tries to hit Nas too. It launches him forward a little bit. He's moving past the thing, but then he starts seeing the car literally bust apart from the inside. Like the, yeah. the passenger seat thing falls down. There's nuts and bolts flying. This thing is scraping. He ends up falling behind and then uh, almost just neck and neck right there. And eventually there's one sequence. He does kind of like briefly pass by Vin a little bit. Um, but uh Dominic Toretto knows what he's doing and he hits the NAS at just the right time and he blows past him to the finish line. Yep. yep. In the first of many victories by Dom Toretto against Brian O'Connor. Yep. So uh, then we get um, the scene, maybe my second favorite scene in the movie, one of my favorite scenes in the franchise. I think this is inarguable, indisputable. It is just a fun sequence that has the most memorable, I think one of the most memorable exchanges between these two characters, which is the... it's also such a charismatic Vin Diesel line reading. Like when yeah. he's walking around, he's like, almost had me. Like he's talking to like different people in the crowd. You almost had me. Like he definitely doesn't milk the crowd in any of the other movies in the way that he does this one. Right. Like he's, you could tell he's like King of Los Angeles. Yeah. So, but I love it too because Brian gets out of his car and he's like, he's like, he does, he has a smile on his face. He's not like, yeah, he had fun. he's not beaten down about it. He's just like laughing about it. They open up the hood. And he's still smiling, like the car's smoking. And what are you smiling about, dude? I almost had you. And everyone's like, oh, Ooh. you almost had me. <laughs> you never had me. You never had your car. Oh, mm. granny shifting, not double clutching like you should. <laughs> Oh. You're lucky that 100 shot of Nas didn't blow the welds off the intake. Uh, it's a great monologue. Almost had me. And I love it, dude. It's it's so fucking good. And then it's... It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or by a mile. Winning's winning. Yeah. It's a good... It's a good fucking monologue, man. And then the the final shot of like just him like everyone's cheering he just like the, he does the Jesus pose. <laughs> yeah, he does. The, he, does so the, he does. He does the night king. Night king raise the hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, love so, that. I love so, that. I love that line. So, so good. Ask anybody here. 
doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning, winning. The cops, cops, cops. <laughs> like, we got cops here. <laughs> and then, yeah, so the cops bust out. They they uh, they misread the the alert or whatever, and the cops are on their way. Uh, they're about to break up the party, so everyone starts scrambling. Everyone gets in their respective cars. Um, and I'd like to point out here that the cops decide to chase them through a very sudden 12 p.m. rush hour in Los Angeles because all of a sudden cars everywhere, cars. Yep. yep. There's just cars everywhere. There's all of a sudden it's the busiest that LA's ever been on a on a on a Friday night. And in, in, in is that supposed to be all the people leaving, or is it just like traffic? No, I think because like they they move the cars just a and continuity start to see error. like yeah, I'm like I'm looking at this right now and like I see it, I do see a lot of street cars and I see a lot of racer cars, but I also see a lot of like organic traffic, like just randos. Like there's no yeah. way that there were this many people with street cars that race. Maybe so. the Dodgers game just let out. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Dodgers game got let out. Um <laughs> But yeah, so they're running through. I think Dom does this thing where he, you know, he's riding away from the cops. He pulls a quick UE into this uh, parking garage. He dumps the car really quick, runs out and grabs his jacket and starts running around. And then the cop turns around, pulls a UE. Whoop, whoop, Toretto, stop right there. <laughs> and then, and then Dominic Toretto, and this is what I'm going to say here not really great running from uh, Dude, terrible Vinny's, running. Yeah, he's bad doing the running. Full force he, gump. he looks he's really like lanky. <laughs> yeah he's just like doing like this he's also like running in timberlands so yeah not a good idea to run in timberlands yeah yeah but uh who's there to save him brian o'collin brian o'halloran i almost said brian o'halloran it's brian o'connor <laughs> he's not even supposed to be here today <laughs> <laughs> that's a crossover we didn't know we needed is uh too fast two clerks i mean jesus in clerks three if uh fucking Dominic Toretto comes into the quick stop to buy something on his way awesome. to like a New York street race. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian saves Dom. Um, they have a nice little race around the city. Brian's showing off his skills. You know, Vin's getting a little, you know, Dom's getting a little not suspicious, but you can tell that he's starting to be like pretty impressed with his driving skills, which leads to what happens later down the road. But yeah, then it's interrogating uh, him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's interrogating him a little bit. He's like, Oh, where'd you come from? Or he's like, whatever. He's like, I've, did a little bit of dirt on you. It's like, oh, how about that time where you were boosting cars in Alabama or whatever? And he's like, it's Arizona, but uh, Arizona, yeah, right. Two, years, like, oh, two years for boosting cars, yeah, yeah. He's like, and I'll never go, I'll die before I go back. Um, but yeah, then, that's a, I love that line where he's like, you ever done time? He's like, two years at Lompoc, never going back. <laughs> I'll die before I go, <laughs> I'll die before I go back. Yeah. Um, so then they're driving around, they're trying to get away. And then, uh, the motor gang skirts up and holds them at gunpoint. They say, follow us. And then, uh, Brian and Dominic are taken to the stronghold of Johnny Tran, Johnny uh, Tran, little Johnny Saigon. Tran. Yeah. So seems like, uh, Johnny Tran was a little frustrated because it sounds like, uh, Dom Toretto had disregarded their truce to stay off of each other's turf. And they kind of just yeah. like accidentally skirted into their neighborhood, trying to get away from the cops. Um, there's a scene here. They're trying to intimidate them. They're trying to, you know, get information out of them. But then they end up uh, shooting the shit out of Brian's car. And then my uh, favorite is that they like try to scare them and they're like, we'll see you in the desert. And he's like, you're going to need more than that crotch rocket. If you want to take me down. He's like, don't worry about it. They drive, they leave. They come back five seconds later, and then they shoot it. And then they shoot the car. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, so they shoot the car and then obviously Smarty, uh, Smarty McSmart Smart, uh, Dominic Toretto's like, the NAS! <laughs> and then the car just <laughs> explodes into green flames and fire. Um, That's one of the 78 that they actually blew up. Fact, and then I they love walk that they show it from three different angles, too. Yeah. So that means they blew up three cars, most likely. Most likely, definitely worth it. That's a good visual effect. There, that is an appropriate use of destroying a prop. Um, definitely, but yeah, so then they walk out of Johnny Trans Place, they're walking, and then they end up getting in a cab, and then they take the cab to the Toretto house, and there's a party 1327. Yep, and uh, Toretto, uh you know, he, he's about to say, Brian's about to say bye, but uh, Dom's just about to go in and he's like, turns around and he's like, hey, come on in, Buster, or whatever he says. He's like, hey, Spillner, you want a beer? Yeah, right. Can we talk about Mia? Looks like she's studying in her room. Yeah, she looks like she's in school or something. She's in her, she's like brushing her hair really quick. She's got like a nightgown but, on or whatever. And then she comes down to like join the party. What school? High school or college? That's a question that a lot of people ask about this. Is like, how old is Mia supposed to be? I think that she's supposed to be like either senior in high school or freshman in college. I think that that was the age that they were trying to go for for her. That's also, I think, why they get her a Snapple. Is it possible that she's just reading like a thick encyclopedia-esque book for fun? I don't know. I don't know. It never comes up again. So. No, never. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, the yeah, party I mean, scene, uh, it's the most two thousands party of all time. It also includes a, a lovely shot of Vince playing a, a slash Les Paul guitar, electric guitar, which makes me laugh. He's like laying it. on the floor in the middle of a party playing yep. PlayStation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we got the scene, man. We got Jess, Jesse's like fondling some girl. And then there's the whole, why'd you bring the buster here? It's, Cause the buster just saved my ass or whatever he says. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He didn't it's run really for it when the cop showed up. Yeah. I mean, he's showing uh, his allegiance towards Brian early on and it's not making Vince happy. Yeah. Cause the buster just kept me out of handcuffs. That's what he said. He didn't just yeah. run back to the fort. The buster brought me back. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he is like trying to make sure that Brian knows that he's welcome. And then it's the, one of my favorite lines is like, you can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona. And, yeah, he uh, takes uh, he takes Vince's freshly cracked Corona and gives and, it to Brian. And I Brian love and proceeds to wipe it, wipe the lid. <laughs> <with the> shirt. <laughs> so good, it's such a power move. And there's yeah. this is the first of a few sequences in the movie where uh, Brian and Vince share like a like an eye contact thing or whatever. But it's just like Brian's like swigging the Corona and he's just like yeah. Can we talk like about this. like one of my favorite action movie tropes as well as like just like a hatred of somebody else in the crew, right? Or like in your general vicinity, like in Karate Kid, Daniel-san and fucking Johnny just like hate each other from the get-go. They just hate each other. And uh, Vince and and Brian do not get off to a good start and it continues into Fast Five, which is awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, their relationship, no, no, uh, no super discussing anything going on in the future. But yeah, I love the way that they expound on that character too because he is just, this movie, he's just an obnoxious, little bitch the whole fucking movie um even Make up to when goddamn popcorn <laughs> yeah um yeah so you can have any brew you want as long as it's corona um there's the no whole limes. thing going back say it again tough look no limes tough look yeah i mean 
Come on. I've heard that I mean, lines Cal- are hard to find on the West Coast. You know, there's a shortage. Dude, California, you can get like a hundred limes for 10 cents. Like yeah. they're just giving them away. I had a house on my delivery route that had a box of limes on their front porch and said, please take as many as you please want. Take I, used these to take limes. Home, I used to take five limes home every day and I'd use them for like guacamole and shit. Like yeah. there's lime trees everywhere. So it's awesome. Just go outside Dominic and pick one out of your front yard. Jesus. So Dom and Letty go up the stairs. They're obviously about to get into some uh, real adult shit there. Uh, yeah, Brian walks back and drive his stick. Yeah. <laughs> Brian walks into the party. Uh, Vince and those guys are being a little bit obnoxious. They, uh, he eyes a, a pistol that's on the table, but, uh, before things get serious, Mia drops in and she's like, come on, Brian, could you get me a drink? And she Brian's got like, ready really fast. She got ready real fast. And, uh, Brian being the gentleman that he is does go and gets her a drink and he gets her a, uh, a goddamn Snapple. <laughs> you like Snapple? Uh, not really. I mean, it's not great. There's better iced tea out there. Yeah, I agree. I would rather have like an Arizona iced tea or an Arnold Palmer, like one of those I mean, big Arizona, tall 99 cent can teas or whatever. Arizona has the monopoly on the tea industry, in my opinion. I think I'd rather have a Lipton than a Snapple, though, if I'm being honest. Ugh, I don't know. Lipton, Lipton bottled drinks, like Lipton black tea. Like I'll buy a box of the Lipton black teas and I'll make iced tea in the summer. Like I'll just put them into a vase or whatever and make iced tea. But like the Lipton, like bottled drinks, I feel like they always taste way too artificial. Oh, I'm talking about the can ones that you used to get out of vending machines in like 2005. I don't remember these Lipton iced tea with lemon. Um, anyway, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> back to you so yeah then the next scene is uh he gets a snap before they go up the stairs we don't know what happens after that but the next day uh brian is pulled well, she, over she shuts him down right like you think that they might hook up and then she's like you stink you gotta take a shower and oh yeah that kind of right. shit. unless we're assuming that they shower together which is like that's really forward that's know. pretty hot though <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to look for the subtitles. I don't see them. Um, she's just like, she's like, first you need some rest. She goes, you know, my brother likes you. He doesn't. He usually doesn't like anybody. Brian's like, yeah, he's a complicated guy. What about you? And she's like, uh, I'm simpler. So there's that whole exchange there, but I, uh, I don't think that they. Yeah, they don't hook up or anything. I think she, she's just like. Oh yeah, you need to get some sleep. That's what she says. She says you need to get some sleep and definitely need a shower. There it is. So you were right. Um. So yeah, after that, they split apart. Mia maybe goes gets a shower. Maybe Brian gets in there with her. Maybe a little shower buddy action there. Let me lick you up and down. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, the next day, uh, Brian's driving around in that shitty red truck, that red Ford truck that that is like so fat and ugly it's just an ugly looking truck but he gets pulled over this is the whole thing put your hands on your head behind your head he steps out of the car or whatever and then uh you know the officer looks up and it's like it's like what did i do and he's like oh, oh and he gets him in the car and then we find out what do we find out are you a cop are you a fucking cop so, yeah. that's my best departed uh quote are you still a cop so they yeah, take Brian, they take Brian to this like mansion where it's like wherever they're having the sting for the the police officers. They uncuff Brian and it's like 
He's like, oh, why'd you cuff the handcuffs so tight? He's like, well, I like realism. <laughs> He's like, so he brings in, they're talking to him or whatever. And we start to realize that Brian O'Connor is actually a police officer. Undercover. Um, yep. Um, the arrest was a ruse. The house that they're workshopping out of looks like Franklin's house in fucking uh, <laughs> uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 in Los Santos. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But also Brian's boss in the police department is Ted Levine, who plays Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lamb. Oh, wow. I did not make that connection. Great big fat person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's not much more to talk about with this specific scene. I mean, like this scene is all just I have talking one about. Sure, go ahead. Before they're about to talk about how they're looking for the people who are robbing these DVD players and they're trying to or VHS is and they're trying to keep the, the truckers from arming themselves and causing some big hubbubaloo. The one guy says, come on, come on. We're going to come in. We're going to talk about this. I'll have them make us some ice cappuccinos. And they're all drinking like these in like beer mugs, these ice cappuccinos with whipped cream. If you want to make the cops look tough, don't have them drink ice cappuccinos. Yeah, not a, I know not it's a good 2001 <laughs> and it's new technology. But just give them black coffee. Otherwise, they're just going to look like a bunch of Los Angeles pussies. Yeah. So then after that, we get to cut back to the uh, to uh, Dom's garage. Brian pulls up in this uh, shitty Subaru. Dom's like, I wanted a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car or whatever. And uh, it brings it down. They open it up, and they realize that it's actually got really good parts inside of it. And they're like, well, we need to soup this up. And it's like, why do we need to soup it up? For race wars. That's right. We need to soup it up yep. for race wars. Can we talk a little bit about um, this scene is featured in the montage in Furious 7, which is interesting, but I don't know. I like, I like to like take note of all the scenes as we go through these rewatches where it's like uh, it's going to come back up in arguably the most emotional scene besides Han Solo dying in the 2010s. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're they're gonna soup this thing up for race wars, and uh, Jesse just happens to be the rain man of uh, engine blocks. So yeah, so he's like he's like so he sits down with Brian and he kind of shows him like a video, like a really shitty Macintosh monitor. Yeah, it's like AutoCAD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like running them through like what they're what it's gonna look like when it's finished and what uh, what they could do with it, and uh, you know they're gonna have to get parts together and they're gonna have to do some stuff. Uh, to get the car all ready and good to go. And then uh, you know what happens next, John? What? We get a barbecue. First of many. Hey. Whatever that song plays, it's like, yeah, that's, this, is a, that's, this is a great scene. Yeah, great scene. total. Yeah, uh, so we get the first barbecue. Uh, it's at uh, Dom's house. Jesse, Jesse's there. Brian's there. Mia's there. The whole family's there. Everyone's hanging out. Uh, Vince, shows, Vince up. shows up with the groceries and then immediately leaves once yeah. he sees Paul Walker after their third eye lock. Yeah. And he it's doesn't just show erotic. up. He doesn't just show up with the groceries. He shows up in a camouflage wife beater underneath a mesh wife beater with yeah. like bell bottom jeans on. It's the worst yeah. look ever. Whoever designed that costume is should be sent to the pastures and, and put I mean, down. I think nine inch nails designed it. Honestly, that's a good point. 
So then we get uh, one of the most seminal things, one of the things that comes back for uh, the rest of the franchise. Jesse reaches in and grabs a piece of chicken and, uh, hey. Can we talk about that chicken real quick? Sure, go ahead. Looks so good. So Dom's charcoal grilling some chicken. Classic, classic Southern style barbecue. Mad respect, Dom. Mad respect. Yeah, mad respect. Yeah, Jesse reaches in, he takes a piece of chicken. Dom says, hey, you reached him first. That means you get to say the blessing. And then we get the world's worst prayer <laughs> of all time, but I yeah, love it. The prayers definitely get better. Um, Thank you for providing us with the direct port nitrous injection. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, he's praying to the God, gear gods or whatever. Well, this is coming off of him talking about how like he has ADD and working just on mathematic, figuring out like the perfect engine to go inside of a, a shitty 1995 Mitsubishi or whatever is like, it calms him. So it seems like he can only talk shop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, he's, he does not have good, um, social skills. And this is one of, this is in a time also where Hollywood was, would love to do stuff with people with different, um, you know, like mental and or other impairments. Uh, I mean, we're coming sure. off of Forrest Gump a couple years prior and Rain Man and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if this actor actually has ADD, but I think he is kind of playing it up a little bit too much to the point that it can be kind of insensitive at times. Um, yeah, it's a little overdone. That's, that's just one of the things that's aged poorly for me. So. Yeah, but uh, regardless, it's cool to see the whole, like the family at the time, like gathering around together. They're laughing. They laugh about the prayer. They're all in good spirits. They're just passing around. The, only scene, the only scene where Michelle Rodriguez smiles in this movie. It's yeah. true. Uh, Vince does show back up and he does sit down. He grabs a Corona and he drinks it like this, where he like holds it above his mouth, like w- without it touching and just like lets it waterfall, even though that no one else touched that Corona. Um, yeah. In the franchise, there's some bad beer drinking. That's one of them. Dom holds the bottle by the neck, by the like neck. he's choking a chicken or like <laughs> tugging his pecker or something. And he just like, I don't know. <laughs> they got to work on it. <laughs> choking the chicken. But then, yeah, then we uh, we move back inside the house and we get a really fun scene, I think, really here with uh, Brian, Vince, and Mia, where uh, Vince is being his usual prickish self and talking about, you know, asking Mia out and everything. And then Mia does the whole, the the 180 flip where he's like, hey, where's that place you wanted to take me to? You know that Spanish place? And he's like, oh, cha-cha-cha. <laughs> she's like, yeah, that place. And she turns around and she's like, why don't you take me there, Brian? <laughs> I love this shit so much. It's a really, It's a really fun scene. I like how he's trying to work the microwave and it's clearly broken. He's like slapping it. He's like slapping it. He's like, Vince, I don't know if that's how a microwave works. Uh, but yeah, so then we move on to the next scene. Uh, this part gets a little jumbled here, so I might have to have your help in kind of getting this around. So uh, some cholos walk into another place. It looks like the same place where Brian's working, but it's like... It so looks this, like- is, this is Harry's garage, Okay, Brian's day job. Um, earlier when Brian brought the, uh, the Toyota Supra and told him that that was going to be his 10 second car. Yeah. Dom told him that when he's not working at Harry's, he's going to work at the Dom garage. Um, but he still has the Harry's garage cause that's where the police department employed him. Yeah. And Hector just comes in to order three different engine blocks of like turbo speeds and stuff. And 
it's supposed to be making us suspect that Hector and his crew are the people that are pulling off the VHS heists. Yeah. So later that night, after this whole this inner thing with Hector coming into the to the the body shop, Brian breaks back into the into the body shop. Hector's body shop. He he breaks into Hector's body shop, and then he goes yeah, back. Yeah, he goes in. to a, he goes to a different garage. Different garage. That's right. Across okay. the street from El, El Gato Negro, which is a black cat bar. Pretty cool. Good name. Yeah. It's, it seems like a cool vibe, that bar. It's like an outdoor bar with like a takeout window. I'm sure you could get like a yeah, dang ass like, hot like, dog there. It looks like a place that you can grab like a like a chorizo taco and like a nice margarita on like a Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so he breaks in. He tries to break in, but then Vince and Dom find Brian and they hold him up at gunpoint. Um, they they talks about that Hector's buying up cars and buying up NOS for race wars. Um, there's this whole sequence where there's like Vince is like, he's a cop. He's a cop. This is one of my favorite action movie tropes as well is someone accusing someone else of being a cop and they definitely are, but nobody believes them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then they hop the fence. Vin's like, I got to show you something. And then they, they go back to the roof and they jump through the top and then, uh, lo and behold, the boy Johnny Tran shows up. Yeah, so they drive across town to Johnny Trans, which is, Jesus, Los Angeles, dude. Like, there's so much stuff that they don't show us of, like, I want to see the scenes of uh, Dom and Brian sitting in traffic where they're just like, so are you a Dodgers fan? <laughs> beep, beep. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so this this is one of my least favorite parts of the movie because it, it is the most jumbled, I think, sequence in the movie because it's like, you're not exactly sure. Some of the dialogue is really vague. They're here, then they're there, then they're here, then they're there, and then they're breaking in here. And it's like, the only thing of clarity is when Johnny Tran does eventually break in and then they, they uh, <laughs> he, he, he feeds, I think the guy's name is Ted. Is it, his name is Ted, I think? His name's Ted. Yeah, and they feed him a pipe full of oil and make him kiss Johnny Tran's shoes. So here's what happens. Because, uh, yes, it is a very jumbled scene. When they're interrogating Brian at Hector's garage, Brian is there to find out if Hector is the one stealing the VHSs, but he tells Brian and Vince that he's just checking up on the competition for race wars. So therefore, Dom takes him to Johnny Trans because he's like, if you're doing this, sneaking in the garages, I'm going to go with you. They go back to Johnny Trans across town. They break into his garage. They see that all the engines are missing from their cars that they're going to take the race wars. And they hide when they hear that people are coming because Johnny Tran comes back to their garage and they are torturing their fencer who is supposed to acquire illegal engine mods for race wars. So it's jumbled because we still don't know if Johnny Trans won the still the VHSs, but when you find out what happens later on, it's just like Johnny Trans just trying to win race force. And so he's pouring lube in this guy's mouth. So it's disgusting. It's not a good scene. It's a horrendously disgusting sequence. Like I I absolutely hate the visual of that. And they do this again in in Too Fast, Too Furious. No spoilers there, but there's like a torture sequence in that movie, which is also Yeah, but like, that one's like menacing. This sure. one's just like He's just spilling it on his face. Like, just close your no, mouth. No, they got bed. the Jesus. They put the pipe in his mouth, and they're like basically force feeding him that lube or whatever it is. It's like that's disgusting. Like, I would probably vomit and 
you're ingesting that stuff, you're probably going to get sick. You're probably going to die. Like, that's awful. Yeah. So, anyway, after this, we get a brief sequence back at the mansion with the with the uh, the dudes with Buffalo Bill, I guess, and uh, the whole thing with Brian. It's like, ah, uh, you know, he's like, well, you got to go back. You got to read it again. Like, well, you should say that when they do go to Johnny Tran's garage, there are VHSs there. So Brian immediately jumps to the conclusion that he did steal them. Fair, yeah, fair That's point. Not the case, though. It's interesting to me because like rewatching this movie, I, f- I focus so much less on the v- the whole VCR aspect. I'm just like, I could care less about it. Like I'm, I'm just waiting it's, for the next sequence with. Yeah. Finding who is robbing the trucks is the least compelling part of the story. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, like Brian, they, the, the police officers talk to Brian and they're like, well, we need to figure this out. We need to figure exactly what's going on. And he's like, oh, I just need a few more days. And so. We go back to the body shop and there's a sequence where Brian is uh, helping Dom fix some stuff with the car. He's souping it out and he's talking about, he's going on a date with, uh, he's going on a date with me. He's like, we're going out to dinner. I love the line. If you break your heart, I'll break your neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're talking or whatever. And then uh, Brian's is this like, when he shows on the car. Yes. So Dom goes, you know, I want to show you something or whatever. And then they take a, they take a little drive and they go to uh, the garage, which uh, now at in Canon is at his house. But people yeah. before were like, well, where is this actually taking place? Where is this garage? But you can clearly see like now that it's like where they're having the barbecues. Yeah. Um, but Dom shows him uh, a pristine 1970 Dodge Charger RT. Uh Dom educates Brian on the car's backstory, talks to him, says like, my dad used to race this. It was a source of a father-son bonding for both of us. Yep. One day, a driver named Kenny Linder clipped my father's bumper during a race. Caused caused my dad to crash into a wall at 120 miles per hour, which caused the fuel tanks to rupture and he burned to death. He says, Dom says the next time he saw Linder, he had a wrench in his hand and he hit him once. He continued to hit him until he couldn't lift his arms and he was done. Dom was subsequently banned for life from the racetracks and Linder could never drive again. I mean, you're underselling it a little bit. It's, it's <laughs> Linda's a high school janitor now who has to take the bus every day. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. He like paralyzed this dude. I mean, like I, I'm reading it as notes that I wrote, but let me tell you, this is the best scene in the movie. Is this spoiler? Is this disputable? No. I think this is my the best father scene and I, my father and I, we built this charger back up together. Yeah. I mean, it's great. He's like, I could hear my dad screaming as he was burning to death. And someone told me later that he died before he even hit the wall. And that's when I realized that I was the one that was screaming. It's like, damn, it's, it's, uh, it's his best acting. It's his best acting part of the movie. It is the uh, the best scene of character dynamics here. This is like the true bonding moment between the two of them because it's not just bonding between like learning, you know, bonding over a common thing. It's that like Brian actually gets the chance to understand who this guy is and what he's about, right. where he's come from, the trouble that he's seen. Um, I also just think it's a super compelling idea because as we go on later in the franchise, like it sounds goofy to say it, but like, 
the cars, these people's cars, some become a part of who they are. And yeah, the fact like that Batmobile, yeah. exactly. It, it, or like their power ranger super suit or whatever it is. It's like, these are their, these are their, an extension of their body, an extension of who they are. And the black souped up fucking charger is just like the fucking coolest looking car. Um, and it's just a, re- it's a really, really intense scene. I think very like, I don't know. I, I'll argue with whoever wants to argue with me, but I think it's a, a legitimately good acting performance from Vin Diesel. Yeah, which sometimes he's doing the the, the leading man in an action movie where it's like very campy, but this I think is actually delivered with some gravitas. So yeah, for sure. But it's really cool. Um, it's a very very good scene, and then after that we cut to Brian and Mia at Cha Cha Cha. Cha Cha Cha. You like Cuban food? Uh, give me an example. What's Cuban food? Uh, a lot of it is different, like grilled meats and fishes, as well as Cuban bread pudding, which is a delicious dessert. Lots of fresh fruits, veggies. I don't know. Pretty if much anything. Had Cuban food. You, pretty much anything that you can really grill to, for the most part. Lots of things served on polenta and rice pilaf and. You love it. I mean, the I'm best sure part of going to a Cuban restaurant though is the live music. So, yeah. Next time you're up my way, there's a Cuban restaurant in in Cleveland. I'll take you. It's great. Okay, I'm here for live it, man. music. We can just drink some Coronas and uh, salute me familia. <laughs> salute me familia. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they go out to dinner at the cha cha cha, um, and then they uh, Mia shows them that he can, she can drive. Uh, they take the car and they, uh, you know, she spins out or whatever. And they go for a little bit of a drive. They go to the beach, I think. Isn't this part where they go to the beach? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I just know it ends with them banging in the Harry's garage where apparently that's where he's living. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, they go back to the, uh, they go back to the garage. Oh, somewhere in here, I forgot to mention this, but there's another like small shot of the street racers trying to get a truck, but it's just like a very interstitial shot. Um, well, but yeah. I think it's strategic that Dom earlier in the day asks him what his plans are. And he's like, I'm taking me out for dinner. And clearly that's when they're planning to hit the truck. So he just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that they were going to be away from everything. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite parts of the date is when he asks, about like the back story of everybody and you know she's like vince kind of grew up with my brother and jesse and leon showed up one night and they just kind of stayed there and then when she's talking about letty she's like letty's been in the car since she was like 10 so dom was always interesting to her and then brian's like and by the time she turned 16 she became interesting to dom and she's like yeah it's interesting how that works out so just kind of giving some backstory on how the crew got together before brian showed up yeah and then she's like my brother really likes you and like it's, it's cool to see that you guys are friends and he's like you know essentially he tells her that like she's what he's interested in and just being friends with dom is a perk of the job so yeah smooth brian and connor very smooth very smooth 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 criminal um so then yeah like we were saying, uh, they're in bed together. Brian and, uh, Brian and me are in bed together. He gets a call. We're going to move on Johnny Tran. You just got to say the word or whatever. And he's like, yes. And then, uh, it's like, <laughs> who is it? And he's like, Oh, it's a telemarketer. <laughs> wrong that? number. <laughs> wrong number. Oh yeah. That's right. He's like wrong number. Um, 
so yeah, they're moving on Johnny Tran. Um, and then uh, they go back to doing their kissy kissy. And then the uh, the next day, the LAPD and the FBI, they serve arrest warrants for Tran. They put, uh, you know, Tran and Lance and the rest of the crew um, for the hijacking. It's a good montage. Yeah, it's a pretty cool montage. Isn't the, there's like a, isn't the song from something, the song that's playing while the montage is happening, isn't it from something like an action movie or like, and it's from Fast and the Furious, baby. Yeah, it's probably um, Fast and Furious. But they break down like, Johnny Tran's doors, and his like father is there, and he's real disappointed, and he backhands him, <laughs> which I think is a really funny scene. Yeah, I mean, they take him from a family dinner, and his dad slaps him on the way out, which is like really insulting. But yeah, he brought dishonor to his family, is what he says later. So sure, sure, yeah. Um, you could see Brian's baby blue eyes popping out of his uh his SWAT team mask. <laughs> But then we go back to the police compound and one of the officers gets a call and he says that uh, after the arrest, it was proved that Tran and the crew were not the perpetrators of the crime. Um, I forget how they come to that conclusion. They have receipts for buying the VCRs. Okay. So then they, they come to the next is, logical conclusion that it's the that, Toretto. It is speculated that they bought them from Ted the Fence so that they could have receipts, but they bought them from Toretto, which is why he later accuses Toretto of narking on him. Yeah. I never knocked on nobody. <laughs> so yeah, they think it's Toretto. So now we're moving on Toretto. Um, well, I like this scene because he's like, it's Toretto, Brian. It's always been Toretto. Like, do you have your blinders on because of Mia, essentially? He's, he's, he's going native, man. He's becoming one with the tribe. He's part of the family. Part of the crew. Um, part of the ship, part of the crew. So now Brian and uh, Dom are going to test the Supra. Uh, and they do so in a just absolutely hysterical sunglasses laden showdown with this couple. Fuck yeah. With the Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. What's the and retail they- of that? Much more than you can afford, bro. <laughs> and then Dom just looks at him and goes, smoke them <laughs> <laughs> and then they uh they race down this beautiful southern california coast and then they end up at yeah, a shrimp, and, coast shrimp and parlor yep that is a los angeles favorite shrimp shack oh really have you been there along the coast i have not but you and i are gonna go next time we're in la we're gonna do the don brian journey we're gonna go up and get yes some shrimp we are and, uh, drink some coronas <laughs> along the beach yeah <laughs> how many up the piece pch <laughs> that'd be amazing yeah we're gonna rent two fast cars and we're gonna find a, a spot where it can <laughs> <laughs> you were always my brother we can't get we can't get there we're, we're like seven weeks away from that it's we're so just, good though i know it's, it's so, so good. good um so yeah they uh uh during the they get some shrimp they're talking about shrimp brian's trying to like go to mon about what he does he's like how he makes extra money. Yeah. Brian's yeah. Brian's like, I've always worked for everything in my life. He's like, I know that you can't afford all this stuff. Like, how do you make, how do you do it? Where do you go for it? And Dom doesn't answer. He just gives him the stone face, but then he slides that little piece of paper across and uh, you know what it is? It's paper directions to race wars. <laughs> yeah. Why is he carrying that in his pocket? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> absolutely no idea. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I just love this Real as quick. well. That race it's wars, like, bad name. You, 
you know that that was a print off of like MapQuest from before. Oh when, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> when we didn't have GPSs or smartphones, and parents just printed out MapQuest, and then it was mom and dad screaming at each other. No, you're supposed to go this way on the highway. No, you're supposed to go this way. It was a MapQuest thing, but it's like, yeah, terrible, just terrible. Who paper maps? Unacceptable. I have a uh, an atlas in my car, so I'm part of the problem. Yeah, but I do you consult that on a day-to-day basis to get to your various street race destinations? Not on a day-to-day, just on a road trip. Sure. Yeah. I suppose that that's acceptable. So we're at Race Wars. I mean, do you want to talk about anything specific with this like intro sequence? We got girls sh- dropping their pants and showing the thongs. We got, I mean, first of all, race horse is a terrible name for an event. Yeah. Real um, but also I kind of dig the pop-up nature of it where it's like people bring their tents. They're like, they're under parachutes. It's in the desert. It's, it's like a music festival. It's like uh, it's like burning man, right? It's burning man with cars. <laughs> but by the time we get to fast seven and they go back, like it's sponsored by like monster. So I don't really know what happened in between this and that, but it got more commercial. I guess so. But yeah, so I mean, this is a this is one of the longest. Excuse me. This is one of the longest sequences in the movie. There's like a lot of just like kind of inconsequential dialogue. Um, there's a whole scene where Letty just like yells at another driver that she's like driving along with. Um, like well, another- that guy's making sexist remarks, so she challenges him to a race and just smokes him for two G's. Also, what what's the get? appropriate amount? Fucker. What's the appropriate amount to bet on for a street race? It sounds like two thousand because that's what they were talking about at the first race, and they upped it to five. Okay, I thought. I mean, you get to fast five, and they're betting a million on a speed on a street race. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just funny because it's like you know these modern days. It's like I follow some sports beat writers or commentators that bet like hundreds of thousands of dollars on like super bowl games or like playoff football games or whatever it's just like imagine I mean, spending two thousand dollars on a sports streetcar race that you could sure. easily just like crash there's so much more danger involved i imagine the if cost they, of this is much higher now if a two if a double cheeseburger is 295 for a meal then i feel like two cheese for a uh, street race in 2001 is pretty pretty standard fair point inflation it's probably up to like 10 so <clears throat> then we get to the scene that really, really matters with this is that uh, Jesse, Jesse races, Johnny Tran loses abysmally. It's like an embarrassment. Races pink slate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, His dad's car, who's in prison, races the pink slip, gets scared, runs away. <laughs> And then Johnny Tran rolls on back, goes right up to who he knows he needs to talk to, Dominic Toretto. And uh, Johnny Tran accuses the clan of there being a rat in the party. Says, uh, it's like, someone sold me out or whatever. He's blah, blah, blah. He's like, you embarrassed me in front of my family. And then uh, what does he say? He says, he says it's like something about, he accuses Dom directly and then Dom just beats the shit out of him. Oh, he says, I mean, I was embarrassed in front of my whole family. Somebody narked and it's probably you. And then Dom just starts to wail on him saying, I never narked on nobody as he's <laughs> beating knocked. him into the ground. 
and just, Letty cold, cold clocks his right hand man. Yeah. And then the, uh, you know, the, uh, the security kind of like takes them apart and they try to break up the fight. People are starting to get involved. People are rushing in. People are fighting with other people too. Um, How involved do you think that uh, race war security actually is? I mean, these dudes are probably no more involved than a security detail at a fucking Tampa Bay Rays game. You know what I mean? They're probably- <laughs> they're like, <laughs> that was a good dig. It's like these 90 year old retired people. They're like checking your backpack for firearms. It's the gif of the guy that's like checking bags at that security thing for the, where he's like, <laughs> it's like lightly touching their sides or whatever. That's probably what the race were. They're, they're just like, you know what? We're making money. As long as we get out of here without getting gat in the fucking neck, I'm fine with this shit. So yeah, probably. But later that night, it's turned into a party. <clears throat> Maybe there's still races happening. Maybe there's not, but people are just lighting trash cans on fire and fucking dancing and fucking and sucking and everyone's hanging out. Can we talk about the guy who's in the middle of the dance floor that's playing with a yo-yo? I don't remember that. Oh, it's very 2001. This guy's. I mean, like that very, that tricks. is very 2001. He's doing like yo-yo tricks. In the middle of a dance floor. Yeah. God. I remember when it would, did you get caught up in the yo-yo fad? Cause I did Nah, dude. I suck at yo-yo. I try my best. I still have my Duncan free hand somewhere in this house. I got to find it, but I used to be able to, I could do the butterfly. I could make it. Could you walk sleep. the dog. I could walk the dog. I could, uh, I could do the reverse. <laughs> I could do the thing where you like loop it around. That was really fun. Wow. I also even got Tricks the yo-yo where you, you like use it on a single string and you didn't loop it. And you just like flip the string or whatever. I thought I was some hot shit, but uh, I really saw it. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, there's this whole scene here. We get the, you know, Brian and me are kind of walking around. They're yelling at each other about, you know, what's, you know, where, where are these guys going? Like Dom is about to leave in the middle of the night and race wars. They're about to take off. What's going on? And then uh, Brian does it. He drops the bomb. He admits to me that he's a cop. Um. Let's her know that something bigger than what's happening here is happening. And then he asks her for help because he's, he's convinced that he needs her help to save the gang. It's a great action movie moment in any movie where it's like, no one can help me right now except you. And yeah. And I yeah, love it too. So. Me, I'm a cop. And she's like, you bastard. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> yeah. You bastard. But yeah, so, you know, you got to help me out. You got to help me. They're on the highway. They're trying to track down. They can't find that where they are. He's convinced that they're in danger. So what does he do? He calls in a, like a tracking alert, like to like a station cell reporter. Trace. Yeah. He calls in a cell phone trace and he's like, so he's like, yo, this is officer Brian O'Connor. I got serial number, blah, blah, blah. I need a cell phone trace. And he's like, what's his cell phone number? And me is like, <laughs> She gives him like the wide eye and then she finally like breaks in and takes the phone so and I, gives the cell phone number. I wrote down Dom's phone number. We're going to call it real quick. Okay. Put it on speakerphone. Oh, well. Just so you know, 555 numbers. Welcome I think are to Verizon Wireless. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Yeah. Dom's so out of the country. Yeah. Five, five, five numbers, I think are all phony numbers. I don't, th- I think that those were all made fake. Like, I don't think that there's, I know any I was hoping that- universal set something up. Those, like, that would be cool. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> <laughs> Leave your name and number after the beep. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then we cut to uh Toretto and the gang and they, uh, they pulled up on this, uh, 
whatever this this oil refinery or whatever the fuck this place yeah, is. Yeah, they're like stashing them at like an old uh, oil refinery on the desert, and everyone's skeptical because they normally run the job with five guys, which are four guys, but they have three cars. So I don't really know what Jesse's job was, but they're like, we shouldn't be doing this without Jesse. Or no, they run it with five guys. They have Letty, Leon, and Dom drive, and then Vince and no, Jesse they have four. do something else. Right, right. But they normally do it with Jesse, which would make five. So yeah, Jesse was just probably like a side piece in one of the cars, like adding to support or whatever. Right. But apparently they're like very superstitious about it. So, but they do it anyway, because Dom says, you know, after this, we get this big payday and we get a long vacation. I had a dream about you and me on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> so. so, yeah, <clears throat> they take the cars, they drive them out of the refinery, which is very well lit. I, I wanted, I made a note here. It looks like the, it looks a like a Roman Coliseum. <laughs> a lot of street lamps. Yeah. They definitely film this on like in the, like there's a mountain that you have to drive up to get to Dodger stadium. And they yeah. did a lot of principal photography there. And I bet you they just parked it off the road. Yep. And then uh, within the span of less than 30 seconds, it turns from midnight to 12 at noon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the sun is out. The sun is shining, baby. It's, it's broad daylight. And uh, the Toretto gang is about to rob a truck in the middle of the fucking day. Cause why not? Cause it's Dominic motherfucking Toretto. Yep. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> the gang pulls up on the truck. It's going the it's going the same as it usually does. They've got the maneuvers. They've got the whole thing. They uh, they put um, what's his name? They put uh, not Jesse. What am I? They put Vince on top of the car with a little like grappling hook cord sort of thing. Like they hook around the thing and he jumps onto the car. And then uh, this driver uh, played it smart. He does not have a baseball bat and like the first guy. Instead, this guy has a motherfucking shotgun. Yeah, uh, but it's one guy with the double barrel who's also driving a truck. So yeah, he has to still, reload it every time. Yeah, he's reloading it in his lap like a guy who's driving, like eating a taco. Um, he's like me driving down 71 on the way to Zach's house trying to eat a uh, potato soft taco from Taco Bell. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, Vince Vince gets it really rough in this sequence for sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's the cool, it's a cool sequence. It's a good action sequence. It, the shit goes sideways really fast as soon as the guy starts shooting, though. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly like, I mean, it, it makes me seem, it makes me think that this is the first time this has happened to this crew because like Definitely. they've been so easy with doing this before. They seem to have no rem, like real apprehension to go into this sort of environment. So this seems to be the first time that they've ever had a driver come back at them with any sort of firepower because like, like I said, at the very beginning of the movie, the guy has a baseball bat. What are you going to fucking do? And the driver of a vehicle with a baseball bat, but a shotgun, that's effective. Like that, that will oh, hurt for somebody. Sure. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cool action sequence. It is very quaint thinking about this action sequence. When you think about some of the things that we've seen in the future fast and furious movies, but I mean, in the later movies, they would just disconnect the trailer. Right. Yeah. As opposed to trying to take the whole truck over, but, but I mean, for what it is, it's an effective action sequence. I mean, Vince, uh, Vince's arm gets wrapped up in that like cable and it looks painful as absolute fuck. And he's like bleeding yeah. all over the place. And they're trying you ever to do that they're... thing when you're flossing your teeth and you like wrap the floss around too tight and you can see your fingers getting really red on the end. No, no, that's awful. Oh, 
Never mind. Guess just me. <laughs> That's shitty. <laughs> Is that your tantric? Do you wrap it around your dick? <laughs> no, come on, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, so they're fighting. They're they're fighting. They're fucking. They're trying to get this thing going. They're trying to. <laughs> they're trying to refit. Jesus Christ! Excellent synopses. I'm trying. Pretty much, try Vince is hanging off by a cable, and they're trying to catch him. Yeah. The, so they're, they're like driving crash. around. They're trying to get close, but every time they do get close, like Letty tries to get close, like and her tire hits the exact same spot of the tire and it blows her tire and she flies off the thing, which is a brutal sequence too, because like when they go, when they eventually go to get her or whatever, she just like spits up this whole thing of blood. Like it's like, Jesus, Letty. Yeah. I lay like down. Leon's girl. just driving a car and doing nothing. Like he's monitoring the police scanners. And then like Dom's like, Leon, go get Letty. He's like, all right, I'm on it. And he pulls like a 180. Yeah. And then he calls Dom after he gets, he's like, I'm going to get Letty. You go get Vince. It's like, I, he literally just told me. I just said that. But yeah, so Letty flips a car trying to go into the truck. Um, there's this whole sequence coming and then guess who's here. Here comes Brian and Mia, baby. They're driving the souped up Supra and they're just like flying down the highway. It's like Superman coming to save Lois, baby. And they're just uh, flying around. We're still dealing with Vince is still hooked onto the thing. Uh, Dom's trying to like get him. He's trying to get close. And then Dom's car gets shot up and he's falling off the road. He ends up stalling out on the side. And then Brian and Mia just immediately rush right up to the task. And then we've got the one of the more tense sequences in the entire movie, which is. And I love this, too. Sorry. Sirens are on my microphone. Yep. If you're driving in a They're car, it's not, it's not the it's not the popo trying to seize your VCRs. Um, Brian and Mia do the duo time punch up, and they punch the literally punch the roof off of the car, yeah. turn it into a convertible, and then Brian gets on the thing and he's like mounted and he's like, "Give me closer, give me closer," and then uh, that's exactly what they do. Brian is yep. able to jump across the thing and get Vince, and he unwinds his arm from the thing, and then, um some superhero antics start to happen here. Vince is able to he throws a 250 pound man <laughs> <laughs> between the length of a car while this dude is loading a shotgun in his passenger seat. So he throws Vince on the car. And then right as Brian looks through the glass, it's like, Whoop. it's like a Wiley e. coyote cartoon. He goes, Whoop. and then there's the shotgun right in his face. And then he jumps, <laughs> he goes, yeah. yeah. And then he lands. And then, in the most unbelievable, this is the only unbelievable stunt in the entire movie is that they pull off the road and then immediately hit the brakes and Brian just kind of slightly slides to the front. That motherfucker would roll for about a mile considering yeah. how fast that they were rolling. He'd be dead. He'd be Linguini. He'd be absolutely destroyed. <laughs> um, but he just I mean, kind of like holds onto the top of the car in, and just in one of many examples of that happening in the franchise going forward. Yeah, this is the very first example in the franchise of these people being larger than life kind of superheroes. Um, and then we get uh, a pretty brutal sequence, man. It's uh, Vince's on the ground and. He got He's shot in the out. gut, and he also his, his arms lacerated beyond existence. And uh, yep, yeah, no, this is a good sequence, honestly. Very, very high intensity. Brian calls in as a police officer right in front of Dom, yep. and that look that he gives him is just like soul crushing. The look between the two of them, like 
as he's like well, talking on the phone yeah. and staring at him directly. Yeah. And you know, yeah, Dom's slowly realizing what is happening. He's got this look of anger on his face, but also a look of like, I appreciate what you're doing for my friend. And it's like, he's going into shock. He's going into shock. We need this. We need this here or whatever. It's, it's like, it's really brutal. Like it's a really, really well acted scene in terms of just facial facial acting between the two of them, just the emotional guttural action between, between Brian and even between um, Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker as Dom's telling her to like come with them. And she's looking back at him, like knowing that he did the right thing, but that obviously she's going to side with family. So. Yep. Uh, The only thing here that I think is hilarious is that, Brian is using Vince's belt as a tourniquet and it's like one of those like <laughs> shitty hot topic belts. <laughs> every, time, every time I see that scene, it makes me laugh. It's, it's so terrible. Funny. I had He's one of those belts belt. too. Like, I mean, the mesh shirt definitely didn't protect him from a shotgun blast. Like no. the only protection he was wearing was a like motocross helmet when he jumped off the yeah. truck. But that belt, it's one of those belts with the three prongs with three holes for the entirety of the belt. And I fucking had one of those because I probably, I bought, I'm pretty sure I bought like a pair of cargo shorts from Kohl's that had a belt like that. That and came with it, yeah. Yeah. But like, oh my God, that's that makes me laugh every time. But other than that, it's a very emotionally gut-wrenching scene. The medics come, the helicopter comes, they, they, lift, they lift Vince out of there. Um, but the gang's already gone and Brian's left on his own. He takes, he gets back in the car and he drives back to LA um, and he tries to go back to Dom's place. And then we get another gut wrenching scene. Yeah. Which man, I can you argue like the end of this movie, the last third of this movie is just like, I think it's the best part of this movie. Like my, last actual, third my favorite scenes part. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Brian pulls up to, uh, Dom's place and he's uh he's getting the car out of the garage he's getting his his souped up charger out of the garage and Brian's got the gun on him and um Dom's got the fucking shotgun just like holding at his chest or whatever holding at his waist um and before a fight can really break up between the two of them Jesse pulls up kind of like screaming and yeah. uh he's apologizing He's apologizing. He's like kind of hysteric. He pulls up his car. He's just like, he skrids, like skids to a halt. He's like, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was doing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And then all of a sudden Dom's spider sense comes into play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like, I like Dom going, Jesse, he does the the Italian head thing. What are you thinking, man? What are you thinking? But then, yeah, it's yeah, the slow motion spider sense sequence of both of them going, and the camera just goes right in their face. And then it's a, yeah, it's a drive-by from the Johnny Tran gang. They roll up on, uh, they roll up on bikes and they have their submachine guns and they're just opening fire on the, on the Toretto household. And uh, everyone escapes. Can we talk about how Dom's like crab walking across his, his lawn and he doesn't get shot at all? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't show Brian at all, too, because the next shot we see Brian, he's just going like this. He hides behind his car. Like oh, does he hide guy. behind the car? Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, do- the Dom crab walk where he's just ev- evading bullets. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so Jesse uh, Jesse gets got. He's uh, he's died in the hands of Mia. Mia's just right, standing yeah. there holding him, and then Dom drops the gun and just like, 
power walks to the Mustang and then gets in or gets into the charger and then just pulls off. And then, uh, yeah, him and Brian go in a full pursuit mode, full pursuit. We're after the guys. We're going to fucking kick these guys ass. Tough look on Johnny Tran rolling up on motorcycles. Like I know it's easier for a drive by, but like all you got to do is hit them in a T-bone accident and they, they're going to fly off those motorbikes. Spoilers. (laughs) It's kind of what happens. Um, That's what we're doing. Brian kind of chases these guys down. They're jumping up and down hills. They get some bad positioning behind him too, where they're like, they're right behind the car. They're about to shoot. Um, They're giving him some trouble. Like we're not exactly sure how he's going to get away with this. We haven't seen Dom for a minute. He took the car, but we don't know exactly where he is. Um, You know, they're chasing after the bikers. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're jumping off hills and going onto these, different it's it, they're doing some pretty unrealistic bullshit here they're doing well, they're, some... they're driving down from the hollywood hills um i like when dom's car shows up and he just fishtails that dude over the side of yes. the, <laughs> the side of the road yeah like that's he, the best part he gets out of his car to go look and make sure that the guy fell off of his motorcycle <laughs> and he turns around and gets ready. yeah he looks over the hill. He sees the guy fell off the motorcycle but then yeah there's the scene where like the, the other biker is going or whatever and he gets like clocked in the head and then he falls and then gets over right now. Um, Brian walks over and it, it is Johnny Tran, right? That's supposed to be Johnny Tran and the other guy in the bike. Yeah. It's Johnny Tran Lance. Johnny so. Tran Lance. So it's just the two of them. Paul so. Walker's Paul Walker's chasing Lance or chasing Johnny Tran and then Lance cuts behind him. And that's when Dom shows up and, and knocks him over the side of the road. Yeah. So Paul Brian Walker has that sweet skid to a stop pulls out the gun and shoots him like a hundred yards away with the pistol. (laughs) Yeah. So Brian runs over, he checks on Johnny Tran's body. Uh, he like, he's dead. And then he looks up and then he sees Dom's car at the top of the hill. And then he like skids off and goes up over the hill. Um, so Brian time out. If you're Johnny Tran, you find out that Dom didn't actually narc on you. Why are you killing somebody just for not giving you the pink slip to a Volkswagen Jetta? I had to look up the the make of the car. Are we 100% sure that they found out that they didn't narc on them? Yeah, Dom says, I never narked on nobody. Yeah, but does he believe him? He's not a police informant. I don't know if he doesn't believe him. I don't know. I would assume that he's still holding a grudge that he's like, well, if you didn't narc on me, then who did exactly? Because Brian didn't come clean and say that he narked on him. Uh, well, I think he just he thinks that the Toretto's are responsible for like ruining their honor, basically. So he just puts a hit on all of them and tries to spray and pray in the front yard. That's my, that's my interpretation. Okay. I thought he was just personally going after him for the Volkswagen Jetta. <laughs> he wants the car. <laughs> <Race wars. Yeah. laughs> that seems really stupid, <laughs> but uh, well, okay. I mean, this is the fast fare. Yeah. Sure. You never know. Um, so yeah, Brian, Brian heads chase heads after heads after Dom. Dom's like running over. And then uh, we get uh, my second favorite scene in the movie, which is uh, Brian and Dom both pull up to the same stop sign or the same stop light rather and they share a look and uh it's the whole thing i used to drag race here as a kid yep up there with the railroad tracks that's a quarter of a mile when the light turns green i'm going for it yeah which can we talk about how does he know that the train's coming 
and that he'll lose Brian if he makes it there? Like, is he aware of train schedules? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, but it's a cool, it's a cool ass scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool scene. Uh, like I, I have in my notes here, Brian pulls up Dom tells Brian that he used to race at the spot during high school and the railroad crossing ahead marks a quarter of a mile from when they are at the traffic. Like they race and then they race a train and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they both make it past the train. Yep. It's ambiguous, ambiguous who wins. Uh, and then Dom accidentally hits a semi because he looks at Brian with some mad respect and then it flips yep. his car over. And this is the first time that the Dodge Charger gets wrecked, but not the last. Nope, definitely not the last. And that thing, yeah, that thing is like the Millennium Falcon. They just put that shit back together as much as they can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they uh, he hits the car, flips over, the roll cage saves him. Uh, he they Brian goes over and pulls him for the car, and that's. That's not what I had in mind. <laughs> it's a cool <laughs> line. Um, and then uh, Brian gives Dom the keys to his car for paying his debt. And he says, I, I owed you a 10 second car. And you notice then, how he holds the keys. Like this is a podcast. So I'll explain what I'm doing. He holds them like this, as opposed to like most people just hand them <laughs> where it's like, they're holding like a thumbs up. Like they're giving you the whole key ring. Brian holds it between the base of the key and the tip of the key holding it between his thumb and his finger. It's really weird, but it looks cool. Cause you can clearly see what it is on screen, which is, I yeah. think you can see the that it's a key. was. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, Brian gives him the car. He says, I owed you a 10 second car. And you know, Dom like gives him kind of like the nod of approval or whatever. And then well, he's, gets- he's like, you know what this means if you do this. Right. So, cause he knows he's a cop at this point. Like he's letting a felon leave. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, this is the beginning of the, the brotherhood. Yeah. It's a great, it's a cool scene. I mean, it's a very cool moment. It, you can tell, like, I mean, it's a good ending. It is a really, really good ending too. like term in terms of like action movie endings and ter- like, it's a very ambiguous ending. Like if you don't think about the rest of the franchise, like it just kind of ends on a very, not a negative note, but like a very ambi- like like I said, an ambiguous kind of ending. Like it just kind of leaves it where it is. It's very. Well, they were really, they were really smart. They could have done the the point break thing, where like they they do the race, they get past the train, and then Vin gets t boned by the semi and dies. They could have done that, but instead they let him live and they let Brian let him go, and because of that, we get the beginning of a beautiful friendship. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he gives him the key and then, uh, Dom drives off into the sunset basically. And, uh, and the credits roll. Yeah. And there's a post credit scene. And then there's a post credit scene. Dominic Toretto arrives in Baja and he gives us reiterating what he said earlier. He gives us the famous quote from beginning to end. He says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters for those 10 seconds or less. I'm free. And then it fades off as he's hanging out in Baja. He's driving in the desert in Baja. Yep. And that is the fast and the furious. Well done. First of all, I'd like to commend you on your first at bat at a synopsizing an entire movie. How does it feel? 
feels good. I think I did a really, yeah. I think I did a I think I did an okay job. I don't think I necessarily reached the heights that I did for John Parker. Uh, I think that you've set a gold standard. Um, hopefully, I did You'll a decent enough job. You get there by fast five. You're going to be a pro. Sure. Yeah. Well, excellent work. I think the only thing that we do now from here is what we did in the DCEU in review, which is my three questions. We're going to keep doing those um, for these fast pods. And uh, question number one is your favorite scene. Um, I'll go first because you just spent a lot of time chit-chatting. But uh, I think we've both hinted at them in your plot synopsis. But my favorite scene is definitely the drag race at the end, past the train leading into him letting him go with the key handoff and everything. I think the there there's so many sequences in this movie where they give Vin Diesel the chance to monologue. And I just love the, you know, back at school, we used to drag race here. Like, it's just, it's a good setup to be like, if you're going to catch me, you're going to catch me. If you don't make it past the train, I'm gone. And then they go past it and he respects him for being that fast, but then he fucks up and he crashes his yeah. car. And that's why he says, not what I expected, because he normally wins and gets away with everything. Right. But then Brian lets him go. And that births this brotherhood that is so integral to the franchise. And uh, it can't be understated. Like, even though it's the last scene of the movie, it's one of the best, like, last scenes in an action movie for me. Totally. So that's my favorite scene. Yeah. But all, all respect to the monologue that I'm sure is still your favorite. Yeah, my favorite my favorite scene is still the the scene with Brian and Dom in the garage. I think talking yeah. to him about the the charger and about his history and about him with his father and stuff. And I think that it really is the because it's interesting. Like looking back on the franchise, like uh, it is the very first scene where you get the humanization of Dom um, and the humanization of these characters too. Because like throughout the most of this movie, it's a very cartoony sort of early 2000s movie where it's all about fast cars and money and girls and cars and all these, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it, it doesn't have a whole lot of substance, but that one scene definitely changes things in a way where you're like, Oh, this is more than just street racing and these action sequences. It is about like, this character is a little bit more conflicted than I originally thought. Like he has a, a, like a past that's actually grounded. It's not like, well, when I was a kid, my father raced fast cars and I wanted to race fast cars like my dad. It's like, you know, he lost his father and he lost like a part of his family. And that's why he clings so hard to family now. And like, he has a, you know, hard time accepting new people in. He's very cautious and he, and uh, it sets that character, it, that, that one scene sets that character's cadence for the entire rest of the series. And right. I just think that scene is so uh, powerful, really, like because Brian really doesn't give much time to like act, but he's given a lot of like visual acting in that scene, too, where he's able to kind of like through just verbal or through nonverbal methods kind of like express how he's feeling in that in that circumstance and kind of learning about who who Dominic Toretto is and. You know, it, 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 this is a cheesy action franchise, but within that franchise, I do think there is a lot of heart. And I think that that's what makes this franchise special. And so, yeah, that scene is my favorite scene of the movie. I just think that it's very, very cool and no spoilers at all, but they do touch on, they touch on that scene later in the franchise. And it, uh, it's, 
you know, they let these characters grow and you learn more about them as time goes on. And I think that's really yeah, powerful. That's as what well. I was going to say is I love, I love what it does for fast five when he's like, Dom, what do you remember about your father? He's like, they had barbecues every Sunday after church. Yep. Anybody's welcome. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. It's a great scene. Um, Honorable mention ooh, though, for uh, the, uh, I almost had you scene. I do think that that is my, one of my favorite yeah. scenes in the whole franchise, just because of the, I mean, the iconic race of it. entirely all the way up from Ja Rule shouting Monica up to the, Monica. Uh, <laughs> whether you win by an inch or a mile is, is a great sequence for sure. So for sure. Um, also, also the first the first barbecue is good too um, yeah they get better though as they go on they definitely get better there's a oh my god i don't even we can't even talk about it i don't yeah. want to talk about it we got to save that shit for that. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, so who, many good barbecues so the next question is who won the movie so this is the person that comes out of the movie like with the most clout maybe that springs board it springboards them forward as an actor or a director or a studio um, for me, I'm torn because this movie gives Vin Diesel the opportunity to do Riddick and Triple X, but those both kind of fail and he has to come back to the franchise. So I think I actually give this one to Paul Walker. I 100% agree more, with you, bad boy. I 100% agree with you, daddy. It makes him a household name and then he gets to be the main man of the second one. Yep. So that's my pick for who won the fast and the furious is, is Paul Walker. Yeah. Not only, not only does this movie give him the opportunity to be the leading man and come back for too fast, too furious, but it also cements his role in the franchise, which he had seven movies, seven incredibly successful movies where his legacy is now absolutely cemented in terms of action yeah. movie legacies. Like, Brian O'Connor is a is a very very well respected action movie figure, and I think that, um, yeah, I I definitely do think that it's a neck it's a neck and neck race, just almost like the, the final scene of the movie. It's a neck yeah. and neck race between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, but I do think that I think you got to give it to Paul Walker because I think that in addition to the legacy that he's left behind, I definitely think that this is just such an important movie for him because, like we were saying earlier, like you were talking about, like they had other possible Brian's like there were other people that could have vibe, like been eyeing for this role. Um, the fact that he got it, the fact that he was as charismatic as he was, the fact that people wanted to see him come back and the fact that people, you know, have such a love for him as a character and an actor um, since his passing is like, I mean, it's hard to argue that in the very first movie of this franchise that he didn't win the movie because he cemented himself as a figure for the, for the next seven movies for the next, I mean, they made the first movie in 2001 and the, and fast and furious seven came out when 2015, 15. I mean, yeah, that's over a decade of being like part of this franchise. Like that's fucking impressive. That's yeah. something to, something to be proud about and for years to come forever. Definitely. Definitely. Um, our last question then uh, is uh, where we rate it and rank it. But since this is our first entry, it's just going to be the only one on the list. So number one, number one in our hearts, number one on the list, <laughs> number uh, one on the list right to, now. They'll never take that away from us. That this movie was number one at one point. <laughs> we just have to rate it on the Radiovania 20 point scale. Yeah. Um, so here's my question is that I was the, I was the bookkeeper for the DCEU ranking. So do you want to go ahead and be the bookkeeper for this one? I will. Okay. So 
I'll go first. Real quick, though, before okay. you start. Sorry. Are you reading this critically or are you reading this for in your heart? I mean, I'm, I'm going to do me. I mean, like, I'm going to. I want to do that, too. But I think what people need to know is if you're a Zack Snyder DC fan and you come after us because we rate most of the Fast and the Furious movies higher than a lot of the DCEU movies, like. It's just because these are more enjoyable and less egregious and they don't have the two characters ending saying Martha at each other. So, <laughs> I mean, hold on a second. Vamp for a second because I want to pull up the DCEU rankings from the last episode that we did because... Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think they'll be pretty comparable, but I just want that to be known because there is a, there is a common misconception, in my opinion, that these movies are all really hokey. And they have a good audience score, but like people critically like thrash them. So I just want to make sure that that is upfront before we start to rank these things. Okay. So I can't find the exact document here, but I did have my most recent DCEU thing was the Wonder Woman 84 review. Was that the last DCEU movie that we did? The last one should have been Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Really? Yeah, that was 2021. Mm. Actually, last one should be Suicide Squad, mm. which was number one for both of us. We both gave it a nine. So. Yeah, I don't know where I put that note sheet. I, I do. Oh wait, here it is. No, yeah. I okay. So yeah, I, we have the Suicide Squad at number one for both of us. Uh, we had the Suicide Squad at number one, number two Shazam, number three Wonder Woman, number four Man of Steel. The only one that I copied and pasted, I'll have to go back through the old episodes and look at it, but it looks like Zack Snyder's Justice League. It looks like you gave it a seven and I gave it a 7.5. Okay. So I'll tell you what I gave the Fast and the Furious. I'll go first. Okay. I give it a, I give it a seven. Okay. I don't right think that that's, I, I think that that's, I think that that's apt. I mean, you have to judge these movies based on what they are. And we also have to base it on the other movies, (laughs) which they just get so much better. I mean, yeah, this is a really good movie, but they do get better. They get worse and then they get better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I was teetering, like before you said that, before I looked up, like, I mean, like, honestly like looking up the notes for the dceu and looking at the Zack snyder's justice league being a 7.5 i know that these are different franchises but it's like eh, would i would i bring this movie anywhere close to that ranking i think that's a much more well-constructed movie with better visual effects better acting better storytelling but that being said the Fast and the Furious is it is what it is, and you have to judge it based on its own merits. Um, so this might be the very first time that we've ever 100% agreed with a ranking, but I think a seven is. Oh, I think a seven is apt. I I I can't in the 20, oh. in a twenty point scale where you're only going uh point half a point point half Holes a point halves yeah. totals or halves like this movie is not better than a seven. But it's also not a 6.5. Like, I think that this movie is seven. It's a good, it's a C. Like, it's a, it's this a might good be movie. The best C rated movie, like the perfect, like, 
embodiment of what a seven out of 10 is on the radiomania scale. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, once you said that, once we looked at those rankings, it's like, I don't know if I can go, I can't justify it being higher than that, but within its own franchise, I definitely don't think that it's anything lower than that. I, and the thing is, is that like, I can't wait to rewatch too fast, too furious, but I can't imagine that movie being like much lower than this. It's going to be lower than this, but I do think that like, I don't know, man, it's going to be interesting to see where the other movies in the franchise land, because there's some in this franchise that I would put pretty high in the rankings, not just because of where they are within that franchise, but because of just how I enjoy them as, as action movies. You know? Well, Zach and I, Zach and I rate these in review, especially we rate these on our rewatchable scale. Right. So like he loves man of steel. He's going to give that an 8.5 because he likes to rewatch that movie. We probably both love fast seven. So we might hi- we might have that higher than a normal critic would have it, but that's because we love to rewatch that movie. And that's kind of what the point of these rewatches are is to deep dive in the franchise, talk about why we love it, share our fandom for it and uh, give our best impressions of Dominic Toretto. So I need a 10 second cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that being said, I think that wraps up our first fast cast. Um, salute me familia, baby. Salute me familia. We'll, uh, We'll be coming back with more Radiovania soon, both with uh, Too Fast, Too Furious in review, uh, Fast Cast Episode 2, as well as Book of Boba Fett's wrapping up soon. So we will definitely have to do a podcast to talk about the recent weeks of that because the last episode that we did, we utterly thrashed that show and things have kind of changed a little bit, but not really. Um, Peacemaker, but we also Uncharted. Peacemaker, Uncharted, Super Bowl is coming up. Be on the lookout for a lot of content in February as the winter months hit us hard. We're going to try to give you a lot of good shit. Um, but I'm excited to be on this journey with you, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to hit the road at, with anyone else <laughs> to do this. So, you're my brother. You always will be. Hey. <laughs> oh, don't, don't make me cry. Wait till the urge to. Here's the problem is that the urge to just immediately end the show and then go watch another Fast and the Furious movie is very strong it's hard like i want to do too fast too furious right now but uh it's 11 30 p.m um oh well with that being said if you like the show check us out on instagram at radiovania and check us out uh send your comments questions to radiovania show at gmail.com hit us up on radiovania.com check out some of our youtube feeds and uh be on the lookout for future podcast drops as, as this episode drops, as well as the ones in the future. And um, at, at Radio Vini on Twitter, at Zach Rotillo yep. on Twitter, at Najathan Parker on whatever social media that that motherfucker is bumming around. You're not going to find me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like Dominic Toretto. You're not going to find me. You're not going to find me. <laughs> <laughs> I need a 10 second Instagram feed. <laughs> uh, well, Zach, thank you for going on this journey with me for uh, checking out the Fast and the Furious. And, uh, I look forward to talking about it more with you in the future, buddy. Me too. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand you these keys right now. And I'm going to tell you, I like to live my life a quarter of an hour at a time. You Nothing can have any matters. brewery you want as long as it's a Corona. I thought that was it. <laughs> for those 15 minutes or less. 
I'm free. <laughs>